Hello, Legionnaires, and welcome to episode 162 of RPG Digest. In segment one, we read through a tabletop RPV. RPV? What the hell is an RPV? Ah, you guys will figure that out. <laughs> tabletop RPG to introduce it to you and oftentimes to ourselves as well. Segment two. There is no segment two today. Just, there, there's none. <laughs> I am John Maxliauslo, your favorite curmudgeon critic and judge. And along with me today is, is nobody, because Heathen Dog took a sick day that I don't authorize. That's right. I don't even authorize sick days. Nope, not at all. It's not part of, uh, of the business model here. You show up to work, whip cracking, and he decided to uh, use make up a sick day. It's like, you know, when uh, uh, your significant other gives you a coupon for a, you know, a sexy massage or something. Well, he kind of made his own little coupon for, uh, <laughs> for a sick day. Uh all right. Been watching. I, I, so, Flady, I had that in my uh, suggested video, so I'll probably watch that later. Good to know that it is a funny. I'll have to check that out. Sometimes man shorts can be really funny. Other times, like, <laughs> so yeah, man shorts is some good stuff. So good to see everybody here. Uh, let's see. Do I have? Uh, I think I have a couple like uh, announcements or whatever. Um. I'm starting to prepare for uh, the 5,000 subscriber giveaway. I've got time, obviously, which is good, because I want to figure out how I want to put that together. Uh, hopefully nobody else is having that problem. Uh, I'm not seeing any network issues on my side, so... Hate to say it this way, but I hope it's just you. <laughs> but, uh, uh, yeah, so I'm starting to put together the language for that so that uh, we can make sure that uh, we have a good giveaway for plenty of people uh do, 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 do. we'll do that uh so a topic came up twice this week well really only once but i mentioned it and somebody commented to it and i thought i'd talk so we get a lot of requests to cover a lot of different games and sometimes we say yes sometimes we say we'll see sometimes we say not gonna happen uh one of the things that we've that I've noticed, well, actually, I've known this since before we even started RPG Digest a couple years ago, is the fact that people only want to watch the content they're interested in. Well, that kind of makes sense, doesn't it? <laughs> like, like, I have no interest in, like, today, Forbidden Lands. Why am I going to watch? I mean, we appreciate the sport, but we get that. You know, some people be like, uh, there's a guy out there who's all but stopped watching us because we cover Palladium. I don't know why he has such animosity towards Palladium. I don't know why he doesn't watch any of the other stuff. But hey, you know, that, that's on him. He's been very vocal about, oh, Palladium garbage again. I quit. All right. Bye. Uh, I've been getting some feedback from people. The people who like Free League are happy that I'm doing these videos. But a lot of people are like, nobody cares about Free League, Max. You're all hyped about it. And really, it's a crappy game system. Uh, I disagree with you. I don't think it's a crappy game system at all. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. One of the biggest issues is people want us to cover more OSR games. And I, I know we've said this a hundred times, but I'm going to say it again. I'm sorry, but I'm not interested in covering your, oh, look, this is D&D &D again, clone. Okay? Well, no, 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 this one's different. This one's, this one's got a different spell. Look, I know some of them are quite different. For example, Castles and Crusades is quite different. But ultimately, there are a lot of good channels out there that do that. So my goal is I want to have enough variety that people are interested, 
in like, oh, these guys talk about a bunch of different games. They have understanding of a bunch of different games or they're willing to show us, even if they don't have a lot of understanding about a particular game. That's more what the deep dives are about. Uh, allows us to read it through with you. But uh, no, we're not going to cover every game out there. And yeah, I've had people, it's like, I only watch when you cover OSR games. Okay, well, you'll be watching on occasion, I suppose. <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm only there for your Palladium content. You have great Palladium content. I, I agree. I think we do have great Palladium content. That's awesome. So uh, I'm glad you're here for that. But it isn't the only thing we like. Yeah, I like the Year Zero engine. I, I don't know why. There's a couple of you folks out there pretty hardcore about how horrible the Year Zero engine is, and I think uh might need to backtrack on that a little bit. I, your, your animosity is not well-founded, especially since you don't post any reason as to why. Ah, it's a dumb system. Okay, why? It's just dumb. <laughs> That's not an answer. Uh, so, in fact, I'm doing that for Palladium. And, uh, you guys can go to our YouTube comments section or YouTube uh, community sorry, community tab, it's going to be a couple of da uh, down, but I plan on covering the comments that we get there, probably on the Veterans Day stream, maybe on uh, the Friday Night Chill, or the, the Rando stream after that one, but I'm guessing it's going to be on the, the Veterans Day stream, where I'm going to answer those questions, comments, concerns that people have about, uh, about the Palladium system. So you can go to the YouTube, uh, doing us a lot here, uh, but I'm thinking, uh, I keep wanting to call it, commu yeah, community tab. Go to the YouTube community tab for our channel. Go scroll down just a little bit, and you'll see where I ask the question, what are your issues with Palladium? But be specific. It sucks. Well, that's not an answer. <laughs> I'm not even going to address it. Like, it sucks. Okay, well, since you obviously don't know why it sucks, uh, it doesn't. There you go. Uh, you know, anyway. And then why do we cover things like Bessem that nobody plays? Quote, unquote, nobody plays. Well, I actually... There is somebody who's on the streams quite a bit, the Friday streams quite a bit, that actually does play. So, uh, uh, the TriStat system. Sorry, I'm looking at chat here. I'm, I'm getting a little weird thing from YouTube right now. So hopefully you guys are seeing me. I don't know why YouTube's loading. StreamYard says everything's good, but I'm getting a spinning wheel on YouTube. Anyway, we are not going to cover every game, every game system, every possible thing that you might like out there. That's just the nature of the beast. We're certainly not going to cover every OSR game out there. We're pretty bored of OSR stuff. Uh, we love our Dungeons and Dragons, but uh, again, there are, there are many, many, many channels that cover Dungeons and Dragons. I, I don't know if there's really too much that we can add to that. With that said, we're still trying to finalize how we're going to do 2024. It's almost a 50-50 split where, you know, how people want us to do things. And of course, we have our own ideas and I really have to sit down with Heathen Dog and find out what his goals are for that. But um, I want to, I want to cover the Without Number games. I mean, I have three of them right there. Stars Without Number, Cities Without, or sorry, Stars Without Number, Worlds Without Number, and Cities Without Number right there. I'd love to cover those next year. I don't know if I have time to do that. There are, uh, what, there's a couple other games. I was considering Talisman, Dragon Bane. I know a lot of people are doing Dragon Bane, but I was thinking about covering Dragon Bane. There are a bunch of different game systems here that uh, that I'd like to look into, but you know, we'll see see how next year goes. I really want to focus on how tos next year because that's like the one thing our channel is missing: our how tos. So, um, so anywho, but ultimately, we are going to talk about games we either really like or are really interested in. We might find out we don't like them after the fact. 
but that's just the way it's the way it's going to be. We're not going to drop the palladium thing because a lot of you are here for that. Number one and number two, we like palladium. Obviously, Heathen Dog has more breadth of knowledge of palladium than I do, but I have run my share. And those who watch the the uh, Friday night uh, members only stream will know I've got a pretty substantial set of uh, house rules, at least for combat, for my TMNT games. That doesn't mean Palladium's bad, it just means I was looking to adjust it a different way. And as soon as I get Adventure Conquer King Imperial Imprint, Acts 2, there might be a whole half a shelf that might go away, uh, so we'll see. But, uh, you know, games like uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics, Heathen Dog's already done an overview of that. It was a couple years ago, a few years ago, actually, but we've already done that. I don't see the point of doing that again. Not going to cover for Golden Glory. It's just AD&D 2nd Edition. Uh, you know, Sovereign Stone, at least the version I have, isn't even in print. And that's another thing that we look at. And that, that's probably my biggest issue with Heathen Dog, is that he wants to cover games that aren't currently in print. Like, he loves a Shadowrun 1st and 2nd Edition. I get it. Uh, me, one of the reasons you haven't seen me cover Earth Dawn is because 4th edition is the one that's in print. That's the current version of the game, but I would want to cover 1st edition. And you could argue, but you could get a PDF, da da da. It's just, we want to be somewhat contemporary. So hopefully that makes sense. But ultimately, uh, yeah, if you don't like a game that we're covering, sorry, but <laughs> we're still going to do it. And part of that is also to reach a bigger audience. If you're only here for OSR, if you're only here for Palladium, if you're only here for Free League or whatever else we've covered in the past, I, okay, then just watch those videos. You know, there are some that were on our list, like GURPS, that probably will never come back after Steve Jackson got retarded. But, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows what we'll cover? We're going to cover things that we enjoy, but we want to be a bit expansive, even if you don't enjoy the game. But ultimately, if you don't enjoy the game, let us know why. Don't just say it sucks. <laughs> like, let us know why. So, uh, yeah, Palladium's not going away. Twilight 2000, no, so John Longshore, which version of it? Now, to be fair, I only have the Free League version of it, but I've literally never played the Free League version of it, but I have played the old Yellow, I think it was second edition, back in the early 90s. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. I always made a, a Russian, because I was taking Russian in high school, uh, I always played a Russian officer that defected to the, to the NATO side. So, uh, now, with that said, if you have suggestions, if there's a game you would like to see, we're always open to suggestions. Just please don't get angry with us when we're like, yeah, probably not. Okay, that, that's really, I guess, uh, for you guys, because you guys are supporting us for a long time here. Uh, that, that's, that's the only thing I ask. It's not that we think your game's horrible, we just might not have an interest in it. I think that, look, Fate Core is a good game for some people. It's certainly not my style. I, I, I don't want to play it. It's, it's a how can you BS the game master the best you know, type of game. I have zero interest in that. But if people like it, play it. Okay. That wasn't meant to be a rant. It turned into a rant. Sorry. Um, I just wanted to comment on here about, you know, again, OSR. I have a written OSR versus Palladium versus Year Zero Engine, etc. But anyway, Friday. Friday, uh, we're supposed to have uh, on the. The rando stream we have mildred and his co-host from uh was it uh was he oh my god uh, I, uh, how am i brain farting this what does he call it um it's not his temple is it his temple man just watch this episode of his too anyway mildred the monk 
and uh, and his co-host are going to be here. I forget his co-host name. I should know that too, but uh, I have no notes. Are going to be here on Friday, and I'll probably have one or two other panelists, and we're going to talk about game mastering and uh, a few other just general game topics. You know what he does on his show, and so forth. Oh, he's up there. He's another Minnesotan, so uh, it should be a fun time doing all the youper. And do, 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 that's a note for me. Heathen Dog is sick today. That's why I'm by myself. So I already said that. And yeah, I already said that I'm preparing the giveaway. So only other thing I want to look at before we dive into... Uh, I can close you out. Keep you there. Is uh, let's show off a couple of things here before we get started. And then we're going to dive into combat system. Uh, let's hold on. Do it the cheaty way. There we go. All right, so Adventure Conquer King Imperial Imprint is at 267,000. That is awesome. 24 days to go. He's in the doldrum period now. After like the first week, that's when things just go stagnant. And then like the last 48 hours, like, you know, all, all the last minute backers kick in. And we're hoping to have him back on the show uh, right before it closes out. Probably around the 17th of November, which we're... In, we're in talks um, to see if he'll come back. And uh, one of the things I want to talk with him about is I want to talk much more about his uh, spell creation, his class creation, and a lot of his, a lot of the tools that game masters have that might be out of the core focus of the game. So, all right, Hungry Ewok here says, thank you for being a member for 18 months, sir. Uh, the Heathen Dog do an out-of-print game every once in a while. Start with the Dallas TV show. RP. <laughs> no. no. Thanks. Thanks, asshole. Now I'm going to have that theme song stuck in my head for the rest of this episode. Yeah, now y'all got it stuck in your head, too. So, ah. Uh. <laughs> there we go. All right. Um. <laughs> Where was I? Adventure Conquer King System Imperial Imprint. So check that out. If you haven't backed it, look, if you want to know why I backed it, I didn't just back it because Alexander McCreese was on the show. I didn't back it because there's another OSR game. I didn't even back it because I have the first one. Hell, I only got the first one because I thought I was still going to be in an, I thought I was going to be in an axe game and I wasn't. Okay. Um, it just didn't pan out for whatever reason. That's fine. Why I ended up getting Adventure Conquer King System Imperial Imprint is because it has everything I could ever want in an OSR, old school type Dungeons and Dragons game, and it's modular. So I can choose to use this or choose not to use this. I can choose to use it. I can choose not to. With that character create, or sorry, with that character class creation, spell creation rules, I, I have every. I have an entire game that I can design basically using its framework from the ground up on my own. I don't need any other games. That's the way I'm seeing it. Sure, it's going to be Dungeons and Dragons style, but uh, like it's got everything. I could, you know, it's almost almost like in a way having a rule cyclopedia, except for it's more in depth and offers more tools. You don't need anything else. So that's that's why I'm getting it. So if I decide, you know, as as I get as I carry on in life here, and I don't need to have a complete bookshelf behind me, this, along with Kevin Crawford's, you know, whatever without numbers games, you know, Stars Without Number, uh, Cities Without Number, uh, Worlds Without Number, I, I don't need anything else. These, these things let me just build from scratch anything I would ever want, any world I would want. 
and that's why I'm getting it has all the tools that I would need to make the type of game I want. So, so, um, but understand, John Longshore, uh, one of the things that everybody's saying on Kickstarter now, uh, Palladium's saying it, and even Alexander McCreese has said this, um, you're going to get a better deal on Kickstarter than if you buy it after the fact. Now, the one thing about the difference between the two, and this is because this isn't because Palladium doesn't want to do it, it's because of the licensing agreement with Paramount, but at least Adventure Conquer King system is going to have uh, print-on-demand. If you're okay with you know print-on-demand books, which to be fair, I am, I know some people aren't, I am okay with the print-on-demand books. Uh, then, hey, uh, no, no issues there. Just get the PDFs or something. But uh, I get it. Uh, I think sometimes people look at, and I'm not saying this is you, but sometimes I think people look at Kickstarter the wrong way. They don't realize that Kickstarter is actually an investment. It's not buying a product at the store. You know, Luckily for me, I've only ever uh, donated to one Kickstarter, and it was a really low amount ever that failed. But uh, yeah, anyway... But so, but you know, I get it. I get it. Some people don't like crowdfunding. Uh, da, 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 da. Well, I hope nobody else is saying. Uh, nobody else is saying anything uh, wrong, Flady. So hopefully, like I said, I hope it's just you because I don't want anybody else having you know bad network. Uh, the other thing I want to show, of course, that we like to do here is the Palladium Weekly Update. Now, what's important this week? Well, the number one thing that's important is, uh, okay, if you want to get the Apocalypse Bundle of Holding, I already have everything from that that uh, that I would want, and the other stuff I don't care about. But uh, you can check that out on Bundle of Holding. Those are always really good deals. PDFs only, but still really good deals. Check those out. Uh, but here we go. The 2023 Palladium Christmas Surprise Package. I already got my box in. I showed it off on the members only stream. I got a t-shirt and I got four books. And yeah, and I'm probably going to do another one next month. So wish I could do one you know, every week, but I can't. I don't have that kind of money. So anywho, check that out if you like that. So what is it that you get? Well, you uh, give them a list of 10 books that you want. You can check if you want them autographed. And you can check if you want a t-shirt as well. And you'll get, for $60 plus shipping, it, became, it was $72 for me. That was with the shipping. You get over $100 worth of books. And I think I got $100 worth of books, plus I got a t-shirt. So, you know, so it's, it's worth doing. And they sign them. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it it's just supports Palladium Books. And, again, you all know here we like Palladium Books, so. And of course, if you have not yet, remember Tuesday, this Tuesday, I shouldn't be telling you this because I want to be backer number one. It's not going to happen. It's impossible. I will be at work. So there's no chance I will be backer number one. But I really wish I could be backer number one for uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Redux. That's right. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Redux, two book series. The first book is going to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Turtles Go to Hollywood, and Truckin' Turtles. And the second book is going to be Transdimensional TMNT, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Adventures, and The Turtles guide to the universe i've watched a couple of videos and heard a few people say man i hope they do after the bomb understand that after the bomb and teenage mutant initials are actually a different license so that can't happen this license is very particular remember it comes from nickelodeon uh viacom and uh, uh paramount was it paramount no not paramount it's paramount let's see i already well hold on it should say up here i don't know why um oh here it is palladium nickelodeon okay it doesn't say it there <laughs> i thought i thought I think, is it Paramount? Whatever. Um, I am losing my mind. I really am. Like, I can't remember anything anymore. But uh, 
Yeah, so I mean the licensing uh agreement puts uh puts restrictions on this, so but I'm really looking forward to it. And you can see a whole bunch of stuff that's gonna come with it. And for those who have come, look, I, I see a lot of people going, oh, I hate Palladium. I was going to back this product, but they can't even get Riz Bestiary out, so uh, I'm not going to back anything that they do. They don't know how to, how to put product together. I bought Riz Bestiary over two years ago. You guys haven't heard me whine once about that, have you? I mean, yeah, I want it. I actually directly asked Kevin about that. Like, hey, uh, my money that I spent on that book isn't lost yet. And he's like, no, okay. You know, sometimes things take time. Palladium's a small company. So, Palladi uh, for $20 on Rumble, or Rumble Rant. Thank you very much. Remember, in 2023, and this isn't just for me, it's for all of your favorite creators. In 2023, your creators keep 100% of Rumble Rants. We only keep 70% of uh, YouTube Super Chats. So, if you're on Rumble, donate to your favorite uh, uh, Rumble streamer uh, through 2023, and they keep 100% of it. So grab you or Heathen Dog a copy of Playdom's Riffs, Path of the Storm. Don't care. <laughs> if you cover it on the show, just uh, truly, uh, sorry. Just cover it on the show. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm having a hard time reading that purple. Man. <laughs> uh, don't care if you cover it on the show. Just truly, uh, it's worth the read as a Riffs screenplay. Okay. I mean, is that on the website? Is that on the uh, website? Let me write that down. Let me write that down. I mean, it could be fun to cover. So, Path of the Storm Riffs. Path of the Storm. All right. There we go. Hopefully my literacy works better when I'm uh, in the game. So, do, 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 do. anything else? That's the bundle of holding. That's about it. So, anywho, go check that out. A bundle holding is something, I don't know what charity it's supporting, but a bundle of holding is uh, something I have done a bunch of times. I've converted a bunch of those books into physical books through print-on-demand until Lulu, you know, stopped me. But hey, maybe your mileage may vary. All right. So, let's, uh, let's get ready to do some, it's already 20 minutes in, let's, go, let's start talking about games. This is going to be a long one today. Maybe it's good that Heathen Dog's sick, because uh, <laughs> we've got a lot of stuff to cover. Uh, we're going to be covering the entire combat system for the year zero, or sorry, for Forbidden Lands. And just, just like with Coriolis had some nuances that were different than Mutineer Zero, well, Forbidden Lands has nuances that are different than both Coriolis and Year's, uh, year Zero. You're going to see a lot of similarities, of course. The general idea of the dice rolls are the same, but there are also a lot of nuanced differences. You're going to have more options in Forbidden Lands, believe it or not. We'll get to that in a moment. Let me first thank you all. So let's get up the thank you slide. There it is. Boop. Thank you. Well, thank all of you wonderful people who support us monetarily. Your gracious donations help us provide giveaways, produce more content, and generally give back to the Legion Myth community as a whole. We have, what, we're like 4850 or really close to, we're 150 away from five, uh, 5,000. That's, that's amazing. Thank you all. Seriously, thank you. We're absolutely thankful for each and every one of you. At 5,000 subs, I have a fairly big giveaway uh, to celebrate that uh, momentous occasion. Uh, including the here have Max's crap giveaway, as well as some gift cards for international viewers. Uh, I've already showed the eyes. Why am I doing so many ahs? I got to stop that. I took speech classes. I know how not to do. Uh, <laughs> it's bothering me. So I've already showed the items on a members only live stream. 
I'll get a list out there as we get closer. And what I'm how I'm going to do it is I'm going to actually have it spread out over a few weeks. One that'll make bringing it to the post office easier. But uh, <laughs> like, like I don't want to do it all at one time. And I blow my load, so to speak, all at one time. No, we're, I'm going to do it over the course of probably four to six weeks because there's a lot of stuff. For the people who have seen the list, you know there's a lot of stuff. And thank you, John Longshirt. Let me get that on the screen. Boop. There we go. Thank you for the thumbs up. Uh, appreciate it. No, Heathen Dog isn't feeling well. <laughs> That's right. It is. It is the memory circuit buffering. Well, I normally have like a little bit of a script or something or bullet points that I go off of. Today, I'm doing it all off the top of my head. So anyway, but yeah, check the description below for the links to the various Legionist sites, social media, Discord, merch, etc. We have not been selling any merch recently, but that's fine. I also have not updated it recently, and I really don't talk much about it. So that is okay. I just don't have the time. Anytime I have free time now, I'm either playing Satisfactory because I want to veg or I'm writing in the book. Or I'm trying to figure out the dice. <laughs> People watch the members only live stream now. I'm thinking about the, the die rolling system for my game. Some folks are getting frustrated. It's like, keep changing it. It's like, just pick one. It's not that easy because I want it, I want it to work the way I want it to work. That's just, that's the number one thing for me. I want, when I come with the dice system, even if I say, well, it was the best I could do because of, that's fine. But I don't want just to pick one and try to force everything to work to that one. I want it to work within the vision of how I want the game to feel. And I think I'm this close. I'm this close to finding what I like. So, and the people who watch the members only stream got a taste of that. All right, let me get my books and everything ready here. It's going to be a little bit difficult for me to read chat because uh, it's going to be way over there on the other side. I will get to it as best uh, as I can, of course, and this isn't, you know, fishing for money, but uh, if you really want to make sure that uh, I read your super chat or, or if you really want to make sure I read your question or comment, uh, you can always super chat it. So. Um, I need... Here we go. All right, for segment one today, we are going to cover the entirety of the combat system in uh, Forbidden Lands. This first video is going to be pretty much just how to deal with combat, how to smack people across the face with a sword, how to knock them down, how to dodge and parry. Oh, hey, Palladium folks might like that. And then the second video is going to be about health and damage and conditions. Now, somebody left a comment on one of the other videos, or I think it was actually on the advertisement for this one, saying, hey, is this, uh, are we going to get into what you really love about uh, the survival system? No, that's going to be in two weeks. This is just the combat system. So if you guys like the Year Zero Engine, hopefully you really like this. If you're not a fan of the Year Zero Engine, well, maybe this will change your mind. But we will find out here in just a moment. We believe that role-playing games should take place in fantastic worlds. The focus of the game should be on role-playing and having a good time. The core values of Hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural, organic inclusion, not forced diversity. The charity we support is the Wounded Warrior Project, a national, nonpartisan organization whose mission is to honor and empower wounded warriors. Please refer to the description below for the link to where you can make your hopefully tax-deductible donation. 
Join us Thursday and Saturday evenings on twitch.tv slash legionofmyth to watch Heathen Dog and his team of dirty casuals play multiplayer games for your mockery and enjoyment. Here on our YouTube channel, you can watch these game-related segments live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Central Time, or check out the Friday Night Show stream where our panel of guests opine, comment, and editorialize on the TTRPG hobby as a whole. Please like this video and leave a comment to appease the algorithm gods. Share this video on your favorite social media platforms to help us peer out of the shadows cast over us. And if you have not done so already, please subscribe to Legion Myth for more tabletop RPG goodness. All right, there we are. There is our wonderful Forbidden Lands book. A uh, little tangent here. Once again, it's almost always on year zero or, or it's on the Friday night uh, chill stream stuff. I get a comment saying uh, that whole hashtag RP gate is nonsensical. N nobody does that. Uh, again, I want to remind folks, especially for that third one, it has actually happened. Heathen Dog's got a great story. You should ask him. He's got a great story of where he was literally kicked out of a gaming store. Uh, I, I was kicked out of a group over, over nonsense I'm not going to get into here. Uh, there are websites out there, very popular ones for the tabletop a community that says if you are not playing with at least 50% LGBTQIA plus whatever it's called nowadays uh, and, and BIPOC, you need to leave that group. There are actually people who espouse that stuff at gaming stores. So if your group doesn't do that, cool. But don't come to me and act like that doesn't happen. Nobody ever does that. It actually has happened. So that's why one of our core values is I don't care what your background is. As long as you're not disruptive at my table and you're good mesh for the group there, come on in. Let's play. I don't care what you believe in. I don't care what clothes you wear. And I don't care who you sleep with. That is the point. That should be the way everybody plays. So, all right, let's, uh, let's look at our book here. And we are going to, there's our map. Oh, that's right. I read, I always forget that I read first printing. So, uh, I don't think there are going to be too many clarifications. Okay. Melee charges, slow action. That isn't something that would have been prevalent. All right. Do we have clickable clicks? That's right. I just said clickable clicks. You'll be okay. Combat damage. 83. Yes, we do. So we know that uh, adventure. We've already talked about the fact that Forbidden Lands is a game that is a little darker. A little, little more deadly. There is a death spiral in this game than what some people might be used to. That's okay. Because after you get through the death spiral aspect of the game... You get pretty tough, and when you get pretty tough, the game almost turns in easy mode. At least that's what I've heard. I haven't done, uh, actually have not done a campaign. Life as an adventure is hard and often violent. You can run into wild beasts, malicious raiders, cold soul rust brothers, and demonic monsters. When someone gets in your way, sometimes you have no choice but to hack your way through them. Combat can be rough for your player character and can even be lethal. I wouldn't even say can be lethal. It is lethal. Uh, some of you have heard this story before, but I'm going to say it again. In one of my play tests, I talk about this one more so than the other ones because it was my favorite one. But in one of my play tests of this game, uh, it's actually running through the module that you can buy. Look, link in the description. Well, maybe not for the stream, but it will be for the videos. Uh, link in the description. I was running through that module. It's like my introduction to Forbidden Lands. They're fighting one of the monsters in that game. And... Of course, each character is rolling like what eight dice, you know, six, seven, eight dice, depending on what their skills and their attributes are. I roll, I grab like 14 or 15 dice and just went, 
And one of the guys threw a temper tantrum. How are we supposed to beat that? There's no way we can beat it. They're thinking one shot kill us. And I'm thinking, yeah, yes, it can. So let me just say it to you right now. Teamwork is paramount. Also, strategy and positioning. Well, I should say tactics and positioning are paramount. You want ambush. Now, sometimes it's not going to work for you. You're not going to get the ambush, but you want ambush. Also, if you're using teamwork, sure, it might have 14 dice, but imagine this for just a moment. You have seven dice. Your buddy has seven dice. Buddy next to you has six dice, and your buddy over there next to you has six dice. What does that add up to? 13 and 13 is uh, 26, right? You're rolling 26 dice versus the monster's 15. Hmm. Hmm. wonder what that means. Oh, yeah, you have more. So the point is, is yes, it is deadly, and 15 dice can one-shot kill you. It didn't. He got knocked around and realized, ouch, that was bad. <laughs> and and uh, went back. They had a healer in the... Did they have a healer in the... Well, they, he somehow got healed. Or or he started doing his abilities where he was standing, because he was a dwarven fighter, where he stood up, started blocking, preventing the others from getting killed. And guess what? The archer in the back got the kill. That's how it's supposed to be. It's teamwork. So remember that with this game, okay? Whenever you're like, oh, so my God, it's got a death spiral and it'll get killed. Yes. That absolutely can happen. Use some teamwork. All right. So combat can be rough for your player character. It can even be lethal. Before you enter combat, you should always ask yourself, is it worth it? That should always be. Uh, rounds initiative. When conflict begins, the first step is to determine who has the initiative. I'm going to pull these cards out. So I actually did it by rolling a D10. Uh, I think one of the times I used the cards... But uh, usually when I do this, I, I just roll a d10. I don't like cards. I don't think cards belong in tabletop RPGs. But with that said, I do have them. And here are your initiative cards. That's a four. And what's this one? I don't know. I'll see it on the screen with you. That's a six. So, yes, uh, you have initiative cards. And I think the purpose of it is just to make sure that you don't double up. You don't get ties. I, I, that type of stuff doesn't bother me. If you don't have the cards, just roll a d10. Uh, and we'll get to those other things. Oh, where's the other set that I need here in a little bit when we do the cards for combat? All right. So you you draw a card to determine who has the initiative. Now the GM draws a card for every NPC. I do it for groups of NPCs. I just do it a little bit differently. So if I have like a group of uh, imps and a group of uh, orcs, I'll I'll draw one card for the imps, one card for the orcs. That's just how I do it. So number one acts first, number two acts second, and so forth. I'm going to tell you that I screw that up every time. So I always start with the highest until somebody points it out to me. It's just something that happens every single time. You think I would re remember, but I don't. And uh, I always start with 10. But no, uh, Freely tries to make it easy for you. And it's like, did you get a one? Yeah, you go first. Oh, wow, that is hard. Uh, even when I was playtesting with my wife last night. Yeah, you heard me. We were playtesting the cards last night. Uh, I did it backwards, so. Anywho, now, if you perform an attack that the D GM deems surprising, you may draw two initiative cards and choose which of the two you want. The card you do not choose is put back into the deck, which is shuffled again before the others, either players or GM, draw their cards. Uh, this is another rule I don't follow. And it's not because I think the game sucks. It's just, if you get surprised, it again, it depends on the type of surprise. If it's a surprise action in terms of you rolled your uh, sneak, versus 
the enemy scout okay i do it this way but if you're just making a, a random surprise attack i just say roll your attack there's no initiative he wasn't expecting it roll, roll an attack uh, so it depends on, on how that's done but we go by the rules of the game when we read the book so we're going to do that uh Rounds and turns, that's right. In the game, a round can represent any period from 10 seconds to a minute, depending on the circumstances the skill used. That's kind of, you know, normal for years or engine. And a turn is about 15 minutes. Old D&D players should have no problems with this because if you remember back in old D&D, uh, a round was t uh, one minute and a turn was f uh, 10 minutes. Here, it's just, you know, 10 seconds to a minute and 15 minutes. And that fits fits into the style of uh, year zero engine, uh, sorry, style of this game really well when you start talking quarter days and hour, just how the game puts itself together. When we talk journeying, you'll see more of that. Let's just put it that way. So some talents allow you to affect your initiative. You could draw multiple cards. Usually that's what it is. Changing the initiative. Now, this is a rule I don't like in any game. I don't like it in modern D&D. I don't like it in this game, but it is the rule of the game. So let's use it. You never draw a new initiative card during a fight. But you can exchange your initiative, and there's a couple ways to do that. Uh, with a player character, uh, so this can be done at the start of the fight or at the start of the round, but never during a round. So you have to choose it, you know, if you're the first person to go, even if you've done two rounds, you know, round three is about to start, you can do it at that point. You just can't do it in the middle of the round. Uh, you and the other player character must be able to speak to each other to exchange initiatives. You can exchange initiative cards with the enemy through the faint action, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. And especially when you use the close combat cards, uh, faint action can can actually uh, change the entire tide of battle. So, uh, slow actions versus facts actions. So, uh, what were they called before in in Mutant Year Zero? I forget. Doesn't matter. We're, we're doing a Forbidden Land. So, slow actions and fast actions. When it's your turn to act, you can perform one slow action and one fast action, or two fast actions. You cannot perform two slow actions, so you're not attacking twice in a round. But I have a talent. We're not talking about talents, we're talking about normal flow of battle. You can do a slow action and a fast action, or two fast actions. And by the way, if you use the combat cards, the combat cards say you won't be able to see it on there, but they say it on the top, like, prepare is a fast action. Okay, and we'll take a look at what slow actions and fast actions are in a little bit. So prerequisites, some actions can only be performed if certain conditions are met. Often this is a feature of the weapon you are using. Describe your actions. When it is your turn, state which actions you are going to use. Okay, we'll come back to this chart in a moment. Uh, wish to perform and roll the dice as needed. Some actions will let your opponent perform a reactive action. Basically, you're reacting to what, what you're doing. For example, if I'm going to attack you before, you know, it's not your turn, because remember, you're supposed to go on your initiative, but it's not your turn. So if I go to swing at you, you can't do anything unless you do a reaction. Let's say you want to dodge. Like, I don't want to be hit by that big bad battle axe. I want to dive out of the way. You can do that. Okay. So, but that would be considered a reaction. Yes, it does take up your action for the round. You're basically sacrificing the action on your initiative to take the action here. But we'll talk about that in a moment. So some actions will let your opponent perform a re uh, reactive action. See close combat. 
If you help another player character NPC to perform an action, it costs you one action of the same type, slow or fast. So if you're helping somebody do something and it's a slow action, it's going to cost you a slow action. If you're helping somebody in your group do a fast action, it costs you a fast action. Uh... You must that you help. Okay, uh, you must help someone for any. Yeah, you must declare. Okay, even on the fifth printing, they're missing a word here. You must declare that you intend to help someone before any dice are rolled. Helping others breaks the initiative order in the round. Sometimes I think language like this is uh, actually adds confusion, but I understand why it's there. So this is what this means: if you go on an eight, but you're helping somebody on a five, you can help the person on the five, even though your initiative was an eight but you are sacrificing your action on your initiative. So if it's a slow action, you might be sacrificing any potential attack. You'll still have a fast action on your initiative, but you're sacrificing your slow action. If what you're helping with is a fast action, well then you're sacrificing a fast action on your initiative of eight, but you still probably get to attack. So refreshing actions. All actions are refreshed at the beginning of each round. You can never save unused actions from one round to the next. I can't believe that that has to be said, but like, can I can I uh, stack up my actions so that three rounds later I can do five things? No, no, you cannot. All right, before we get to zones and range, let's take a look at these charts. Uh, where's the fast action chart? Was that on the next page? Yeah. Okay. So let's start with fast actions because we'll start with fast and then slow. Dodge is a fast action, and the skill you roll is move. If you remember the character sheet, you roll a move skill to try to dodge out of the way. And we'll look at what dodge and parry and all those do in a moment. Parry is a fast action. Again, you have to have a fast action available in order to parry. And, um, no, no, never mind. I was going to say you can only parry if the weapon it, it says the word parry, but no, it means you don't have a penalty. Drawing a weapon is a fast action. Swing weapon, what does that mean? Well. With a sword, you can go clink, 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 chop, okay? You can go poke, poke, poke. If you've got a battle axe, you've got to swing it, which is a fast action, and then you do your attack. And if I remember correctly, there's a penalty. It's not that you can't attack, but there's a penalty to the attack, if I remember correctly. But we'll find out in a moment. Maybe it is you, you can't attack. But uh, well, it says must right here, so uh, get up if you're knocked down. Uh, getting up is a fast action. And he's got shove, disarm, faint, run. So yeah, that faint stealing initiative is a fast action. But the enemy has to be at arm's length. And we'll look at ranges in the next thing we talk about. Run, retreat. By the way, I think that Forbidden Lands has the best retreating rule of any game I've ever played. And what I mean by that is it's the best balance between being a simulation and just being cinematic and being a game. So you it's pretty abstract how you retreat but it's also not the easiest thing in the world so we'll look at that in a little bit but uh but i do like i really like the retreat actions for uh for for bin lands ready weapon aim power word and that's if uh if you're casting a spell and use an item and that using an item varies using an item is a fast action but sometimes finding the item isn't so now let's go up to uh slow actions Slash and stab. So why doesn't it just say attack? Because it actually uses different, uh, a different chart. And we'll get to that in a little bit. So any sort of attack is going to be a slow action. Now, if you're grappled, if somebody's hugging onto you and you're trying to break free, that's also a slow action to try to break free. Shooting, again, it's an attack. Just assume if you're taking an, or making an attack, it's a slow action. 
Persuade, taunt. Now that's for your, uh, what are they called in this game? Um, they're not troubadours. What are they called? I forget what they're called. It's for your bard troubadour type. Cast a spell, flee. Remember, there's a retreats down here, right? But flee is up here. And that will mean something in a moment. Crawl, but you have to be prone to do it, which kind of makes sense, right? Charge and heal other. So those are slow actions. All right, so let's look at these zones and ranges. If again, if you have uh, if you followed along with Mutant Year Zero, if you followed along, oh, better yet, if you followed along at the beginning of the year with Mutant Chronicles and Conan 2D20, you'll already have an idea of the ranges. The combat area is divided into zones. A zone is a room or an area of ground. How big a zone is it varies from a few steps across to about 25 meters. A zone is generally smaller in difficult terrain than in open terrain. The distance from one zone to the next is called a segment. So if you, if you go from one zone to the next zone, you're crossing segments. In the official adventure sites, a numbered location on the map typically constitutes one zone. In a random encounter during journeys, the GM can make a quick sketch of the area or simply describe it. Zones... Uh, are different usually inside versus outside. You usually have much greater space outside. Zones are bigger outside. A zone inside could be a, just as small as, a, as the room, your 10 by 10 room that you're in. So zones have various features which affect actions performed in the zone. Cramped. If the zone has the cramp flag, the zone is small and or has a low ceiling. Attacks with heavy weapons, you know, your pole arms, your big old battle axes, get a minus two penalty, and it's impossible to swing the weapon before a close combat attack. So that doubly messes up your heavy weapons. This is why you probably, you know, ah, I'm an axe master. I do all my stuff with my axes, my pole arms, because they do mega damage. Well, guess what? When you get into those, uh, those cramped spaces, good luck. Now, don't get me wrong, if you hit, it's still going to do a bunch of damage, but good luck hitting. Rough, this is more for outdoor, but it can be indoor as well. You must roll move when you run into the zone. Failure means you manage to get in the zone, but you fall down. Notice there are two specific words here, move and run. The Walter MC. Open, the zone is open and flat, which is ideal for mounted combatants. Also, a lot of good visual range for your ranged uh, attackers. On the other hand, dark and foggy, range attacks into the zone are modified by minus two and can't pass through the zone. So what does that mean? If you're here and there's another zone in the way, normally you can fire, I think it's into long range, which is four zones. We'll look at that in a moment. So you're passing through multiple zones, right? Well, here you can't do that. You can only shoot into the zone because you just can't see what's past that point. It really shrinks the range of where you can shoot. Borders and lines of sight. And another important feature of zones is the border between them. The border between zones affects both movement and ranged combat. Blocked. This is like having a wall in the way. The border is blocked by a wall, a deep abyss, or something similar. You cannot pass the border between the two zones, at least not on foot. It's like being in my house right here. The outside, the, the zone out there past that window, is, it's, that's blocked. I can't get through this, that area. Now, obscured, something along the border of the zone blocks the line of sight, but uh, not movement. An example could be a doorway, a shrubbery, or a curtain. So I can't see what's in there. This is like concealment, but not cover, so to speak. 
Ranged attacks across the border are not possible. You can't shoot through a door. But movement is not affected because you can walk up to it, open the door. Range categories. In conflict, the distance between you and your opponent is divided into five range categories. These are important. See the tab uh, table on this page. Typical terrain column lists the type of terrain where the maximum line of sight usually matches that category. Remember, this is all abstract, so let's, let's take a look at that real quickly. So here are the range categories. Hopefully you guys can see those. Arm's length is right next to you. That's, that's your melee range. That's your fisticuffs. Okay. Near is a few steps away, and if I remember correctly, pole arms can attack into near range, if I'm remembering correctly. But this is a small room, a cave tunnel. This is again, that's your 10 by 10 <laughs> proverbial closet, or you know, from you know, games like DD. Now, short range is up to 25 meters away in a or in a bordering zone. If you have an open zone, or if you have an open archway, not something that's obstructed, you can shoot into the next zone. So a dense forest, a swamp, a large hall. Now, long range is up to 100 meters, four segments. Remember, each one of these short zones is 25 meters, but mash four of those together becomes long. Okay, or up to, I'm sorry, that's the maximum range. So two to four segments would be long range. And you can find this in a forest that's not too cluttered up. Some hills, some city ruins, a, gi a gigantic hall, an arena, right? And then distance, as far as you can see. And this is if you're, you know, in the plains, in the savanna, on top of some mountains, you know, basically open, open territory. This was a hard concept for me to get at first. But after running it, after playing it, after going through the adventure sites in the Game Master's Guide, it actually works out. And, you know, if you play, if you tweak it a little bit, if you play it a little bit differently than maybe exactly as somebody else would, that's fine. The, I wouldn't say this is abstract, but it's abstract enough for you to say, you might consider a zone to be this, I might consider a zone to be that. It's okay. Are you having fun? And are your players able to understand what kind of combat actions they can take because of those zone sizes? Then you're doing all right. All right, so movement. To move during combat, you use the run action or the crawl action. This moves you from one zone to a neighbor zone or between near and arm's length distance. Now, what about walking? Look, man, it just uses the term run for the aspect of you can get from here to there. It doesn't matter if you're walking or running. You're going from here to here, and you're doing it upright. It's called the run action. Oh, you want to be on the ground, be a little more sneaky sneaky? Well, then you're using the crawl. All right? And crawl is a slow action, while running is a fast action. Guess what happens if you run twice? Can you run twice? Yes, you can. Well, then it's a sprint. All right, so this moves you from uh, one zone to a neighbor zone or between near and arm's length distance. So if you want to close, did I pass it? Is it down here? Yeah, if you want to close from near to arm's length, you make a fast action to move there. If you want to go from short to arm's length, you're going to have to use two fast actions. Pop, pop, run, run to get to there. wrong way there we go Let's zoom back in on this you guys can see it if you care no no role is required to run unless you're moving into a rough zone which we talked about earlier in which case you will need to roll for move so everybody has the move skill now whether you put points into it that's your business but you have it 
Close combat, if you have an active enemy at arm's length, you can't run away from them. Instead, you must use the retreat action. Remember, running, uh, we, retreat is the uh, slow action, right? Uh, what that means is that you're too, you're too much in close combat that you can't just turn and run because you get sliced in the back. So you have to actually use a little bit of effort to retreat. Doors. You can open an unlocked door with the use item, which is a fast action. So opening a door is a fast, uh, is a fast action. A locked door must either be opened by picking the locks or by breaking it down. A typical wooden door can take five points of damage before it falls apart. More sturdy doors or more sturdy doors require more force, and really massive doors also have armor rating, which we'll get to later. I think we're we're understanding now. Fleeing conflict. I like these rules. I really like. Again, are they perfect? Are they uh, are, are they perfect simulationism? No. Do they in a way take away agency? Theoretically, could take away agency of an attacker. But I like. I like these just because I've seen them used a lot and I've seen how the players have used them. I really do like these rules. I have one caveat to that. I have kind of a house rule that I put in my game, but we, we might talk about that in a little bit. If you're losing a fight, it might be better to retreat and perhaps return with backup. If you want to leave the conflict immediately and you don't have any enemies at arm's length, you can roll for move. A successful roll means you manage to get away somehow. The conflict is over. Now, I want to stress that. The conflict is over. You've moved away. You've beat feet out of there. This isn't you trying to sneak behind a tree and get a better position. Boo you! That's the house rule that I make. Because if you want to say, I don't have a problem with that, you do that. But I'm not going to allow that next round, all of a sudden, you start, you're, you're full on in combat again. All right? Uh, I, I don't allow that. You cannot flee in this way if you're trapped or surrounded. Obviously, you, how are you going to get away, right? The GM has a final say. You cannot use your role to move past an opponent. You must flee in the same direction you came from. Basically, if you're running in, ah, and the opponent says, you got to go, ah. The GM can modify your role depending on the terrain and the distance to the nearest opponent. See the table below. Uh, Nerdy Ogre says, he, uh, he who fights and runs away is the one who will tell the boss how it wasn't his fault. Yeah, there you go. You've played Paranoia, sir. Uh, fleeing. So if at near range to somebody, you're going to have a minus one modification to your flea roll. Why? Because the guy's close to you already. It's hard to get away from him. Now, that doesn't mean you can't. It's just minus one and die. If you have a decent move, you're fine. Well, might be fine. Short range at zero. Long, you're already pretty far away from them anyway. Why wouldn't you be able to go, oh, I'm going to beat feet out of here. And open zone, why is it harder in open zone? Well, because the opponent can see you pretty easily. A rough zone, on the other hand, you get a plus one. Because usually the person trying to get away is a little more, uh, or a little less caring of accidentally slipping and falling. Or <laughs> the person falling, you know, following is usually a little more careful. It's not always true. Also, you might know the area you just came from that way, right? But if the roll, roll fails, you remain in combat with your opponent and cannot get away. You remain at the same distance as you were before. So essentially, you ran, but he's kept up with you. So if you are at arm's length, you're still at arm's length. If you're near, you're still at near. The GM all, can also inflict some additional negative consequences for you. This goes back to the whole mutant year zero thing of like, remember, a failure isn't just a failure. There's got to be more to it. Well, Forbidden Lands doesn't do that a lot, but uh, 
here's an aspect where it talks about it. You can attempt to flee again, because remember, normally you can't try to do the same thing if you failed. Well, here you can attempt to flee again the next round. Okay. Ambushes and sneak attacks. Uh, no, I won't, I won't keep the... Why can't I zoom in? There we go. The key to winning conflict is often attacking when your enemy least expect it. You can achieve this in several different ways. You can do a sneak attack. When you stalk someone, basically when you're sneaking up on someone, you have a sneak attack, okay? So you're like... And you catch up to him. That's a sneak attack. If you are sitting in place waiting for the enemy to come to you, that is an ambush. So there are two types. There's sneak attacks where you're doing the moving. And then there's the ambush where you're doing the sitting and uh, sitting, wait and pray, or waiting for the prey. So what do these say? Sneak attack. First, roll an opposed roll for sneak. You get a modification depending on how close you are. If you look at this little chart over here, if you're at arm's length, it's harder to sneak. All right. If you're at long range, it's easier to sneak. It just kind of makes sense. Uh, if you want to attack in close combat, you usually have to get within arm's length. That is true. If you fail, your opponent spots you at your starting distance. Starting distance. You didn't get closer. It's where you started to do the sneak. If you succeed, you get a free action, slow or fast, not both. So you can get a free attack, yes, before you draw the initiative. Your target cannot dodge or parry a sneak attack. Just because he's sitting here and you, you... Ah! You're right there as the axe is coming down on him, right? Sneak attacks are always done individually by one attacker against one target. Yeah, um, by the way, if you have five people trying to do a sneak attack and one of them screws up, guess what? Chance, there's no guarantee of this. It has to make sense what chances are. Y'all screwed up. Ambush. A special kind of sneak attack is ambush. You lie in wait for your enemy and attack when he passes. When you ambush someone, you roll for sneak as described above, but with a modification of plus twos, since it is the target and not the attacker that is moving. So you get a bonus. So it's always better to set up an ambush. It's harder to set up an ambush. But once you can, because you have to find the right place, you know, there's, there's some role playing that has to be involved with that. But when you do, it's a plus two. Ambushes can be carried out by a group against a group of target. This follows the same, the usual rules for sneak. All right, so. All right, so there we are. Uh, looking at comments, I don't see a lot of comments, so we're going to move on here. Close combat. When you attack in close combat, you use the melee skill. So melee is based on your strength, so you use your strength dice, your melee dice, and your weapons gear dice. With some weapons, you can attack from near distance. Remember, like I said, pole arms. I think most pole arms you can attack from near distance because they have a lot of reach. When you enter close combat, it's wise to have a weapon in hand. Uh, yeah. Weapons give you a gear bonus for your roll. Increase the damage caused and allow you to perform actions that are harder, even impossible without a weapon. Several close combat weapons are described in Table 101. Shields. And I'm going to tell you that this game, shields are fantastic if you are a fighter, especially if you take the defensive uh, talent. Carrying a shield is also very useful in close combat. You can parry attacks with it, but you can also use it to shove opponents to the ground. Now, you can parry attacks with some weapons as well, but the shield is better at parrying. All right? Shields are described in page 106. 
stance. To be able to attack an opponent in close combat, you have to stand up on your feet. If you are prone, you must first spend a fast action and get up before you can attack. The exception is the shove action, which can be done even if you are prone. Basically, the shove action in that case kind of becomes either you're back with your legs pushing them back, or you're doing a scissor kick and making them fall down, or you're just spinning your weapon around and tripping. Okay, however you want to describe it, but it's just it's universally called the shove action. While you are prone, standing enemies get a plus two modification on all close combat attacks against you. I have run into a couple of situations where I have ignored this rule. This is up to you. This is a house rule. But I have found some situations where I thought that the character trying to attack had an interesting concept. I gave him penalties. I think it was a minus two, if I remember correctly, to the role. But I allowed him to still try to attack. I'm not saying you should do that. I'm just saying I know people, I've heard players get a little butthurt, in more than one group, get a little butthurt about this. Like, why can't I swing my sword when I'm on the ground? So, uh, you know, it's up to you. I can easily see, look, you can't do it because it's so easy for the guy to dodge. You really have no chance to hit him because you have no real angle of attack. At the same time, you know, to come up with something interesting, you know, let him do it. Just give him a penalty, okay? It's up to you. It's up to you. Actions. There are several actions to choose from when in close combat, all of which are described below. And we looked at the lists already, so we'll take a look at what those are. Now, let's go down to reactive actions. This is your dodge and your parry. Now, dodge and parry come with uh, some of their own unique rules. First of all, you have to declare you're going to dodge or parry before the opponent rolls the attack. So if I'm the game master and you're going to attack one of my baddies, you know, I've got some, uh, you know, fire method floating around. You say, I'm going to attack him. I say, I'm going to dodge or I'm going to parry. Same thing with you. If I'm attacking you with the, with the, the Hydra, you say, hey, I'm going to dodge before one of the heads comes down and tries to, you know, snap you in two. All right. Um, since they're performed uh, dodge and parry are called reactive action since they're performed immediately remember we already talked about breaking the initiative and they break an order of initiative order however they do count as one of your actions again we already talked about this uh, dodging and parrying in close combat are technically, technically not opposed roles and they can be pushed they are actually opposed roles but they, they call them not opposed roles uh, to allow you to push because remember only the actor which would be the uh, the attacking character would normally be able to push a roll but in this case you can push a roll for dodging and pairing i i don't think that this part of the sentence needs to be put in there i would just say dodging and parrying in close combat can be pushed but, but i get why that full sentence is there for just a second make sure i'm not missing anything on oh i did miss something on Oh, never mind. I missed a bot on Twitch. I don't care. I don't care about Twitch anyway. All right, slow action, slash. Look, you slash. Why it matters, it will, I'll show you the chart for parrying, okay? It matters because of parrying and dodging. That, that's why it matters. But you swing your weapon at a pwn, it requires an ep, a weapon with the edged or blunt features. What, well, why blunt? That doesn't make sense. No, it does make sense. If you're hitting somebody with a hammer, you're still using a slashing motion. All right, there's piercing and there's slashing. That's what it comes down to. And blunt weapons would use, I mean, are you going to boop somebody? Boop! <laughs> you know, with, your, with, your, with your mace? 
Uh, if your target dodges, it's a plus two bonus. Because slashing kind of requires a windup. Uh, if you hit, your opponent takes weapon damage on strength. If you roll multiple uh, successes, the damage increases by one. There are actually other things that you can do as well instead of that. So, If the enemy takes a critical entry, you use the slash wounds you know, for edge weapons. Or blunt trauma for blunt weapons. Stab, you attempt to pale your, impale your opponent. Uh, daggers might not impale so much, but they do pokey-pokey. So, yes, whether it's a, a spear, a lance, a dagger, you have stabs. Now, a target who parries with a weapon gets a minus two penalty, while parrying with a shield gives a plus two bonus. It's hard to parry a poke. Shields are great at that. A weapon, you can do it. You absolutely can do it, but you're going to have a penalty. Notice that here, if your target dodges, a plus two bonus to dodge a slash. And here, parrying a poke is minus two penalty, unless you use a shield, then it's a plus two bonus. Anything else is just a normal roll. Don't stress out over it, it's just a normal roll. If you hit, opponent takes damage, is normal. Punch, kick, bite, does not require a weapon. I mean, you might consider teeth a weapon, but that's up to you. Roll for melee, yes, you're still rolling melee because there is no unarmed combat skill. It can be dodged or parried. Uh, attempt to parry, gets a plus two bonus. All right, uh, enemy suffers a critical injury, use the blunt force, and we'll look at that. Uh, grapple, you grab hold of your opponent, roll for melee, and as no weapon can be used, you're not, uh, you, yeah, you're not hugging them with your sword, you're starting to wrestle at this point. It can be dodged or parried. If the attack succeeds, both you and your opponent fall to the ground. You're both, con you're both tackled, okay? Tackle minus die roll equals armor class hit, right? Uh, the opponent drops any weapons he was holding and cannot move. The only action the opponent can perform is to break free, which is a slow action. We talked about that before. And requires winning an opposed melee roll against you. Obviously, stronger uh, characters win. Uh, I think there's a talent that allows you to use your dexterity versus your strength for the melee roll against us. Don't quote me on that, but I think there is a talent that does that. Fast actions. Now, I, yeah, I skipped a little bit of this. If you want to know more about grappling, just go ahead and, and, and read it. But, uh, or get the game. Dodging. This is a little bit different than you know, Palladium fans might be used to. You throw yourself out of your opponent's attack. Okay, it sounds like a dodge. It's not just, you know, some matrix move, right? Roll move, not melee. So first things first, you're rolling a move skill, not a melee skill. You cannot use a weapon. Basically, it's saying you can't get a gear bonus, okay? You're not using your weapon to dodge. If the attacker slashes, you get a plus two bonus. Every success eliminates one of the attacker's successes. So if the attacker got three successes and you dodge and only get two successes, well, the attacker still gets one success. But at least you limited what the attacker could do. Now, when you dodge, now this is one that throws people off. And the first time you use it in the game, the, what I hear from people is like, well, I'm never going to dodge then. Or the first time it happens to them, they're surprised by it, they freak out. When you dodge, you fall prone. You are you're basically diving or tumbling out of the way is what you're doing. This isn't ma the matrix here. You can choose to remain standing at the cost of a minus two penalty. So if you have a pretty decent move skill, Maybe you can matrix your way out of it. But most people just say, you know what, if I'm dodging, 
I want I just want the be uh, the ability to dodge. So uh, fine, I'm throwing myself to the ground. Remember, as a fast action, you can get up next round. Boop, you're up as a fast action. So it's generally not that big of a deal. Now parry, you block your opponent's attack. We'll look at the chart here in a moment for parrying. It's, it's typical parry. Don't try to parry a weapon with your arm. Okay, just don't do it. Drawing a weapon is a fast action. You don't have to roll for it, but it is fast action. Um... See, I think, yeah, with quick draw, uh, if I remember correctly, with quick draw, it's no action. You can just do it. Duck, dive, dodge, dip, dodge. Is that uh, the, uh, the Daffy Duck thing? Swing weapon. Kind of mentioned this before, but let's look at it again here. You swing your melee weapon to make the upcoming strike more powerful. No roll is required. But this is a fast action that requires a heavy weapon. Must be performed directly before a slash or a stab in the same round. So basically, you're like, I'm coming down, right? If the attack is successful, the damage increases by one. So the attack has to be successful first. You don't get extra dice. You don't get extra dice. The normal attack roll has to be successful, but then the damage is increased by one. So if your weapon does three damage, that's a lot, by the way. Now it does four. And that's before any extra successes. Stand up. This is getting up off the ground. Close combat attacks against opponents that are, are prone are modified by plus two, so you probably want to get up. Shove. You can try to push your enemy to the ground. Or off a cliff. Roll, me roll melee. A weapon with the hook feature or a shield can be used, so not every weapon can do this. Shields can, but your weapon has to have the hook feature. And there are a few that do. Um, off the top of my head, I forget which ones. I think pole arms do. Uh, let's say disarm. You can try to knock the weapon from your opponent's hand. Faint. Uh, again, if you want to know all the ins and outs about disarm, pause it right there. It's on the screen. Uh, else, get the book and play the game. You trade initiative cards with the opponent. There is no roll. You just do it. I'm taking a fast action. I'm stealing your initiative. Now, can the opponent say, you know what? I'm going to use my fast action to steal your, the initiative right back. Uh, yes. So, so uh, it is one of those things where you, you want to time it right to do it. It works better when you're using the close combat cards that I don't use in my games. I don't like them. Retreat. This action must be used instead of run if you have an active enemy at arm's reach. So if you're effectively in melee combat with the... Uh, with an enemy you have to use retreat then that brings you to near range at that point you roll for move if you fail uh if you fail you move but the enemy gets a free attack against you so people who know DD and the attack of opportunity stuff there you go uh and it doesn't count towards that enemy's action in the round and you can't parry their dodge so uh yeah you're gonna want to make that move roll Push it. Push it. Okay. And there's an example there, so... Uh, Alright, here we go. Advanced Close Combat. These are the cards. Nope, I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna read it. I was gonna think about giving you a quick overview, but if I do that, I'm probably gonna get off uh, on a tangent or something. So, Close Combat is brutal, brutal and unpredictable. Whoever outmaneuvers his opponent... Uh, and manages to find an opening is usually victorious. 
For more intense close combat, you can add a tactical element, and it does do that. It does add a more tactical element by using the following system, which is based on so-called hidden combinations. That's these things. This system requires that you have access to the custom cards for Forbidden Lands, which is sold separately as, again, I have them. I still would not, even after playtesting them for quite a bit, thank you to my wife, by the way, who is not interested in tabletop RPGs at all, but she was awesome, and she playtested these with me. Uh, the last time I did that was when I was in Germany. I still don't find these interesting, but you might. So, you know, just because I don't use them doesn't mean you can't or shouldn't. I, it's just I don't I don't find that it enhances the game at all. It's just it's another how do you want to call it uh, meta gaming sort of uh, sort of. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just I don't think they add anything to the game, and I also don't like cards in my game anyway. So you know, roll dice and just move on from there. If you like them, use them, have fun. You might find the value in them. So the choice of whether to use hidden combination is not made for an entire combat. It's made for each close combat attack. The GM has a final say. This gets weird. So here's what I say. I say you have to declare it at the beginning of the round. Well, Max, you said you don't use them at all. That is true. That is absolutely true. But when I've play tested it, I'm still like, no, I've tr I've tried this. You know, for this one, let's do the the close combat. No, it just gets weird. At the beginning of the round, you describe if you want to uh, say if you want to use the close combat or not, and just go from there. Now, how many cards? Seven cards, right? Uh, one, two. three. Three, four, five, six, seven, and that's yeah, it's seven cards. It's seven cards you draw two. Now don't draw two attack cards. And you're gonna be like, why can't you draw two attack cards? Well, attack is a slow action. You still have to follow the rules of the game, which is either two fast actions or a fast action and a slow action. And while you can't see it, I'm gonna put it as close to that camera as I can. If you look right under the word attack, yeah, you can't see it, and I can't get it to focus on it. Oh, maybe it did. Right under the word attack is slow action. If you draw attack, and then you use the card that's called double up, there it is, that essentially means you use attack twice. All right? So, again, if you can see this, it's attack and double up. Double up is the card you use to use the same action, or not exactly, so the same type of action twice. You cannot do this. You've just wasted your fast action. You have attack, and you cannot attack a second time. So you've wasted it. And yes, you don't get to redraw. You've wasted it. So now let's say you have an X. Maybe you're going to do prepare. What does prepare have to do with an X? Again, you can't see it on there, but you can draw a weapon, swing a weapon, or get up. In fact, my wife was lucky. Oh my God, was she lucky last night when we were playtesting this. Uh, she she didn't really know what prepare was, but she drew it anyway. And I had knocked her down, and she, oh, I will get up. I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> so, uh, that's a good one. But in this case, you'd use prepare to swing the weapon, and then for your slow action, you'd use attack. Okay? Uh, so what are the cards? We're not going to go through all of them constantly. Or, well, constantly. We're not going to go through them all completely. But you have Hinder, which allows you to shove or disarm. You have Maneuver, which allows you to feint or run. So you can steal initiative with that Maneuver card. Remember, that's a fast action. You can Defend, which is dodge or parry. 
And that's pretty common. A pretty common combination is defend and attack. Uh, you can await, which means I do nothing. Now, usually you don't want to choose to do nothing. Await really is, oh, you already did something in the round, and you can't do something now, so you have to await. Maybe you have just a fast action, or you have just a slow action available to you, because maybe you parried, used a reactive action, right? And you parried earlier in the round. Well, now you, can, now you have to use await. Okay. Uh, double up allows you to use, so let's say you want to use, uh, not await, uh, you want to use defense twice. You just like, screw it. I'm going to use defense twice. I'll either parry, parry, or dodge, parry, or parry, or dodge, dodge, whatever. Well, then you'd use double up. You'd use the defend card and the double up card. It just means you're doubling up that action. And then there's attack, which is slash, stab, punch, kick, bite, or grapple. And the prepare card, which is draw weapon, swing weapon, and get up. There you go. And you draw two. Or, again, there's so many ways to do this, and this is why I don't like it. In the middle, you could draw one, but let's have some common sense. Let's have a little bit of sense of, uh, of decorum here and just say you do it at the beginning of the round. You choose to do this at the beginning of the round. You draw two cards. Your opponent draws two cards, and then you play them. There are talents that the fighter can get that help with the drawing of the cards. Either seeing the opponents or knowing what the opponent's going to do. Uh, maybe not in the order, but you can know what the opponent's going to do. Uh, I think there's one that gets, lets you draw a third card if i remember correctly i forget but anyway you draw the cards and then you take you take the actions in order of initiative so yeah and there you go it says what the cards do there if that was confusing i'm sorry i'm not going to spend any more time on the cards uh kind of told what they can do read the book it's really not that hard when you take the time to sit down and actually just sit and play test it like my wife and i did last night it's not hard i just like i said i don't think there's any value added brought by them so uh, if you like them use them if you don't like them don't use them i think ronnie abadi somebody's been commenting on a lot of the uh your zero engine games thank you for that by the way he ha had a very big correction for me and i will mention that hopefully i remember to mention that maybe one of you guys in chat will remind me to mention that at the end of this video get a pretty big correction for me uh on something i said in the last video that is pretty important for me to say um but uh he talked about how he used the close combat cards and if they work for him good on him all right uh, uh resolution two step okay uh, where are we with this zoom out wait two steps uh resolution reveal cards pain okay being hit in close combat is painful even if you're not critically wounded painful enough that you may be temporarily dazed uh, if you are the defender in close combat and suffer damage at least one point from a hit, your action in the same step is forfeit unless you parry or dodge. So, let's just say that you were going to, um, you're, no, maybe that was parry and dodge. You're going to faint. You're going to try to steal the initiative, but you're not the attacker. And the opponent is going to attack. Well, in that phase, since you get one slow and one fast action per round, it doesn't say what order you have to take it in. In that case, yes, the slow action goes before the fast action. If that opponent attacks you and hits you, basically he knocks the faint out of you. <laughs> okay, You don't steal initiative. The person who wins initiative goes first, whether it's a slow action or a fast action. Your fast action doesn't trump the initiative. 
Okay, but your action in step two is not effect affected by damage you suffer in step one. So you would still get your step two damage. So if you're going to faint and attack, your faint was knocked away, but you still get your attack. All right. Some talents give you extra attacks, parries, or other actions in combat. Go ahead and check the, your, um, uh, your talents for that. And monsters never use hidden combinations. So they don't use the cards. Or if you're going to use the cards, just throw them on the ground, or th throw them up and just say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. I guess that's how you do it. Again, I don't use the cards, so I haven't run into that. All right, cards are over. Now we're going to talk about range combat. I think this is the last section for, t for the combat. I, I might be wrong. I think this is the last thing we're going to talk about. before. Uh, then we'll have another video for damage and recovery and conditions. When you attack someone from a distance, you, you roll marksmanship. So you use your agility attribute, your marksmanship skill, and your gear bonus for your dice. You need a ranged weapon, even if it's simply something to throw. Yes, throwing a rock is still marksmanship. Remember, I, you know, this is, this is kind of a rules-like game. The rules might seem like, wow, that's not rules-like, dude. There, there are a lot of rules to this. Really isn't. Really isn't a lot of rules. They're just explaining how to use some of the modifiers as far as I'm concerned. But it is generally a rules-like game. So yes, you can throw something as well as you can shoot a bow. Uh, I've had some people complain about that. It's not a simulation. It's to represent that you're good at whatever your role is supposed to be. And the talents are what make you unique compared to somebody else. When you shoot at someone, it's harder to hit your target the further away the target is. At short range, you get a minus one penalty. At long range, it's a minus two. At arm's reach, you get a minus three, since it's very hard to draw a bead on a an opponent that's close to you. To try to shoot a bow and you keep moving around. Stop it. This does not apply if you're shooting at a defenseless or completely oblivious opponent arm's rate. Uh, arm's length. In that case, you get a plus three bonus instead. I, I generally say don't even roll. Oh, I'm sorry. You automatically hit. You roll to see how much damage you do. So, and there you can see the, the chart there. Distant, if you're shooting at somebody, something that's distant, basically as far as you can see, it's minus three and requires aim. And if you remember, that is a, is that a fast action or slow action? For some reason, I thought it was a slow action. Or it might be a fast action. Um, anyway, it takes two rounds to do the shot. Why? Because you have to aim... And you have to prepare. Oh, wait, that might be... You know what? I might have that wrong. Hold on. Uh, attack, slash, stab, punch. Uh, where is a... For some reason, I thought you had to draw the weapon, uh, draw a swing, get up. Okay, I'm looking at those. Those don't have range. To... I'm, maybe I'm visualizing this wrong. But I thought you had to aim. Uh, we'll, we'll look at it in a moment. We'll look at it in a moment. We'll look at it in a moment. Actions. Ready. There it is. It's ready weapon. That's what I was looking for. Before you can fire your bow or sling, you must ready the weapon. Prepare the weapon by knocking air or placing a stone in your sling. Once you've readied your weapon, you can't take any slow action other than to shoot and no faction, uh, fast action other than aim. So you ready first, you aim second, and since you've used your two fast actions, you have to wait until the next round to shoot. Okay? That's, but that's only for a distant target. Only for a distant So. Uh, and you must ready again before you can uh, shoot again. Crossbows don't need to be readied. Instead, you must load a crossbow, which is a slow action, before each shot. You can carry a loaded crossbow along, uh, around as long as you want, like, but that's just for one shot. Aim is a fast action. Before you shoot, you can aim. This gives a bonus a plus one to the attack. 
You must aim and shoot in the same round. You cannot save the bonus for a later round. All right. So basically, you declare if you if you had to hold your action for whatever reason, you declare the aim across multiple. Okay, I'm going to aim again and shoot. I'm going to aim again and shoot. Dang it! Would this guy pop out? Uh, however, it is possible to have the fast shooter talent. So, shooting is a slow action. All remember, all attacks are a slow action. Uh, dodge. You throw yourself out of the way. Okay. Uh, we've already talked about dodge. And reactions, social conflict. Oh, I'm sorry. There's social conflict to talk about. Now, this gets away from normal conflict uh, of trying to beat people with swords. Now you're trying to beat them with, uh, with words. If you've watched the other user engine videos, you already know how this works. If you haven't, I'm not going to make you watch those. We're going to talk about it now. So here's how you do it. You roll your manipulation skill. And your opponent rolls, is it insight for Forbidden Lands? Uh, is this not an opposed roll in Forbidden Lands? What? It is. Sometimes you can make things go your way without resorting to violence. Instead, you trick or convince an opponent without drawing your weapon. This might even be possible in the midst of combat. If the GM judges it plausible, remember it's Game Master's ruling, for non-violent conflicts, use the manipulation skill. What, uh, what you ask of your opponent or what you want them to do must be within reason. You're not just going to get, you know, the sun, moon, and stars. It has to be within reason. No NPC will agree to do anything or act completely against his own interest, no matter how good your role is. You're not going to get an NPC who loves his family to stab his mom. Many monsters are so savage or dim-witted, they simply cannot be swayed by words, no matter how silvery your tongue is. Yeah, don't try that D&D &D meme. <laughs> All right. uh, read more about monsters and beast series. Resolution. When you try to convince or bluff, bluff someone, make an opposed role of manipulation versus... Okay, I was right. Manipulation versus the opponent's insight. I wish it would have set it up above. I know it's saying it here, but I wish it would have set it up above, even if it's anecdotally. I don't like having to look at two locations to find a rule, but okay, that's just a quibble. It only counts as a slow action for you. It's not a slow action for the defender to use insight to think you're lying. That opponent can still attack you. If you successfully manipulate your opponent, the opponent must either do what you want or immediately attack with physical violence. Yep, that's it. Just those two things. That, that weirded me out at first. I always thought that was kind of like... So I have to attack you or give you what you want if you succeed. And I, I didn't like it. But somebody brought it to my attention. It's like, yeah, but it's not if you fail the role that happens. It's if you succeed. If I succeed, I should, you should be giving me what I want if it's within reason. And if you don't want to, okay, then, then you attack. It's like, you know what? That makes sense. That does make sense. Uh, okay, uh... Even if your opponent chooses to do what you want, he can still demand something in return. Okay, okay, you know what? Fine, I'll give you my wagon. Just give me two gold pieces and move on. The GM decides what that entails, but it should be reasonable enough for you uh, to be able to meet those demands. Yeah, it's not something like, well, you made your roll, but uh, you have to give up your firstborn, all your armor, every weapon, all your gold. No, no. Yeah, it, but it can be something maybe it's just something to replace the wagon you know fair trade kind of thing i don't know 
negotiating position. Your chance of manipulating someone successfully are affected by your negotiating position, which is determined by the game master. Each of the following factors modifies your role by plus one. So these are good things. These give you a plus one to your manipulation role. I do too. I, I like GM heavy games also. I like rulings over rules, and this game provides a lot of opportunity to provide rulings over rules. So, if you want to reward a player for good role playing, or you want to reward a player for doing something interesting, you can do it. Now, to be fair, you can do that in any game, but I like how it's just baked into this game. And if the player isn't doing so well, or you just think that the player is being obnoxious and asking for more than should be able to ask for, you can start applying penalties or say it's unreasonable. You know? But but one of the things that it tries to do here with some of this language of saying it must be within reason, the um, the opponent can attack instead of giving it to you, even with a successful roll, is to say that, hey, you don't just win because you rolled. It doesn't make sense. It was the whole concept of, uh, was it 5e where the, or was it 3e where the bard charmed the dragon or some nonsense? Yeah, okay. Uh, this game's like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. We're not doing it. Okay, each of the following factors modifies your role by plus one. So this is how you can give yourself a bonus. And these bonuses stack. You have more people on your side. Okay, we're outnumbered. We might have to listen to him. We might have to give in, give him what he wants. What you ask for doesn't cost the opponent anything. Really? You just want the shirt off my back? I've got other shirts. Here, have it. Your opponent has suffered damage to any attribute. Oh my god, I don't want to fight, man. I don't want to fight. Just, yeah, fine, fine. You've helped your opponent previously. You know, you're pretty you're pretty outstanding dude. You know, okay, okay, I think we can work something out here. Or you present your case very well, as determined by the GM. Now, this doesn't mean you have to role-play these and those and be the most persuasive person ever, but the point you're trying to make, you know, lawyerese, so to speak, makes sense. You know what? That actually makes sense. Now, let's look at what modifies your role by negative one. These are penalties for you. The opponent has more people. You're, you're outnumbered. You know, he's got a little uh, chutzpah there. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not so intimidated by you, buddy. You ask for something valuable or dangerous. I don't trust this, uh, the codes to the you know, nuclear missile in your hands. <laughs> no. Or, hey, that's my family heirloom. We've had, I've had this in my family for 200 years. I mean, I, yeah, I'm sure it can save the world, but this is my family heirloom. I, I don't want to give this up. Your opponent has nothing to gain by helping you. Uh, dude, if I give this to you, um, in fact, I go back and I'm the laughing stock and, you know, I lose a lot of clout. Screw you. You're having trouble understanding each other. Mm, you give me thing. What thing? Thing! <laughs> the range between you is shorter or longer. If you're yelling at each other, hey, we want your stuff. Screw you. All right, reputation. Your chance of manipulating someone are also affected by your reputation scores. If your reputation is higher, you get a plus one modification to the roll. And if your reputation is more than twice that of your opponent's, you get plus two. If your opponent has a higher score, it's the same bonus as above. So again, it works both ways. Artifacts. Uh, some value or very impressive artifacts can give a gear bonus to your manipulation roll. Why? Wow. You're wearing some pretty nice looking armor there. Or ooh, look at that sword. Is that the sword of doom? Wow, that's a legendary sword. You are so cool, dude. Be something like that. All right, let's talk about weapon attributes. You have grip. That basically is it one handed or two handed. Bonus. This is how many gear dice you get. Now, remember, just like in all the other games, we may have talked about it before. I think we talked about the crafting skill. If you have two gear, gear dice, right? And it gets damaged, you're down to one gear die. 
gets damaged again. You've done a zero gear die, which means it's broken. You can't use it, but you can fix it. If you if it suffers any more damage, well, then it's destroyed. So you can use the weapon as long as you have a minimum one die to use. So damage indicates your base weapon damage. So how many points of damage to the strength attribute remember your damage happens to multiple attributes in this game you can take uh, agility damage you can take strength damage you can take wits damage you can take um empathy damage weapons do damage to strength because strength is also your endurance your constitution your health so forth. so uh, uh weapon damage how many points so if a, if a weapon does three damage that'd be a really strong weapon a, a base of three damage if you get one success you take three damage now, we'll talk about armor in a bit, but uh, you take three damage. Every additional success adds one more to that. Not three more to that, one more to that. So if you have three successes, you'll do three damage for the first, you'll do four damage for the second, and five damage for, for the, uh, the third success for a total of five damage. Uh, if you roll extra successes, you deal additional damage. Yep. Uh, we'll come back up to this chart in a moment. Oh, shows some things. Hold on. Where is... Oh. Uh, oh, okay. It's not going to talk about that. All right, let's look at some of these weapons before we go into other things. Let's look at these features. So, if you use a dagger, it's a one-handed weapon, and it's got a gear bonus of plus one. So any damage it takes is going to break it. It does one damage. So if you poke somebody with it, it's going to do one damage. The range of it is arm's reach, so that means you have to be close cost two and it's light so that matters for how how much it takes up on your uh your encumbrance it's edge so now you know what chart to use and it's pointed well wait a second it's edge and pointed so basically you say you tell are you slashing or are you poking which what attack are you doing and we didn't actually look at it above we talked about it. we didn't look at the chart above but uh, it might matter if you're fighting some depending on what the opponent's using for a weapon Let's use the two-handed axe. Well, it's a two-handed weapon, kind of in the name. Plus two bonus. So, uh, does... It gives you two extra dice to roll. Oh, I'm sorry, here, here we go. I was looking at the wrong one for a second. But yeah, plus two. So you get plus, uh, two dice to roll. Three damage! Wow. But it's heavy. That means you need to use the swing. It's edged and it's hook. Hook means you get to knock somebody down with it. That's pretty cool. You put somebody on the ground, and then next round, you're able to, you know, if he can't get up for whatever reason, and you just go, Rah, splat. Good on you. If you knock somebody to the ground, win initiative, and smack him in the face, he can't get up. That, that, that's going to hurt. It's going to hurt a lot. And there you, go. you can see some other weapons in there. Now you see some of these say parrying. Uh, weapons get, I think it's a minus two die penalty if they don't have the parrying flag on here. But this one has parrying flag, so it's actually pretty easy to, well not pretty easy, it just means you get no penalty to parry with a staff. Can gear lose more than one die from, yes it absolutely can. Yes it absolutely can. Um, so, uh, if, I, if I were to roll, and I take gear damage, so let, where, where are my dice? My dice. So the black dice are gear dice, okay? So I get a six. Six is a success. 
Hopefully you can see it's got the little cross swords on there. Swords are success. Anytime you see the swords when I'm talking, you know, when we're looking at the book, it just shows swords, but I say success or sixes because that's what it is. However, there's also the one, the skull. If you get a skull on a normal roll, it means nothing. But if you push your roll and you have a skull and it's on a black die, that means it's gear damage. Do not need specialty dice to play the game. Just identify which dice are your gear dice. Okay? So this skull hurts it by one. But if I've got two of these, it just means that as long as I don't roll double skulls, I'm fine. Oh, my other black die is buried way down there. Um, so, yes. If you take one point, it just means that from now on, you're only rolling one, gear, uh, one die for your gear dice. So it lowers the amount of dice you roll by one. When it goes down to zero, you're done. You're done using that weapon. It is broken. It's repairable, but broken. And it gives some drawings of some weapons. I think in the Game Master's Guide, it actually draws up like how orcish weapons look, how elven weapons look, how dwarven weapons look. And here's some ranged weapons. And it shows how far you can throw them. So you can throw a rock into near range. But you can just sling out to short range. And again, it's just, I like it when games do this because you'd be surprised how many people think that a sling is like a slingshot. <laughs> and to be fair, I sometimes forget what weapons look like. Falchion is a weapon people use all the time and I always forget what it looks like. But there it is, Falchion. I almost always picture it like a scimitar. I don't know why, I just do. I was talking about the flail on the members only stream how in my game uh flails are just gonna be a blunt weapon like every other blunt weapon but if you use a flail the enemy is going to have trouble parrying unfortunately the other drawback to it is you can smack yourself with it. it's hard but you can smack yourself with it um anyway let's move on we're not talking about my game all right damage okay damage is uh the next video so we're almost done here range indicates the maximum range with which weapon can be used cost indicates whip uh, Weapons, typical price in silver, and features. I call them flags. It's just an old habit from a different game I played. So are the features that it can have. There you go. There's the first part. That is everything about combat. Now, I didn't explain things. I didn't do a sample combat. Maybe I'll do that in a future video. Maybe we'll do that in 2024 when we start doing our how-tos. But this is everything about combat. If this is intriguing to you, if it's interesting, uh, check it out. Uh, buy the game. If you didn't understand something, either ask the question or, um, you know, maybe there are other videos out there that actually talk about doing it or just play it, learn it. You know? I enjoy it. I, I've run this. I, like I said, you can find the description below, but I have a module that I've made for this game that, uh, that I've run multiple times. It's my introductory module to teach people how to play Forbidden Lands. And if you're not sure, it uh, has every one of those aspects in there, it includes range combat. It will includes more than just this, but it's range combat, social com uh, conflict, uh, melee combat, magic. It has a little bit of everything in there because the whole point of it was to, without diving too deep into uh, nuances of the game, to teach you the basics of the game. And there are no comments that I didn't already address in chat, so I am simply going to get ready to move on here. So we'll say, please like, subscribe, and share. Thank you very much for, I don't know how long this was. Looking at the time, it looks like, really, it looks like it was just over an hour. Wow. 
I thought this was going to take almost two hours, but I'm, I'm glad it didn't. And I look forward to talking to each and every one of you in the next video when we talk about damage and recovery and health and conditions, etc., so forth, so on. Thank you very much. All right, I'm going to take a drink here. So normally we take a little, little bit of a break and you know, talk to you guys, but I'm going to take a drink. All right. Let's see. Do and L, if you weren't here at the beginning, uh, no, this is not the part where we talk about uh, um, the survival mechanics. That'll be in two weeks. Two weeks, we'll talk about the survival mechanics that I love so much. And hopefully I explain well why I love them so much. So, page 108. Take your I'm not drinking alcohol, although maybe I wish I was. Getting a 5B here. All right, for the second part of segment one today, we are going to talk about damage, recovery, conditions, and basically, we talked about all the, the fighting aspects of it. Now we're going to see the results of fighting, such as critical hits, and what that means to your character. So, if you're interested in how to how to actually harm characters, how to recover from that harm, and maybe how to heal some folks. Uh, stay tuned. The core values of hashtag RPGate and any good tabletop group are escapism, not representation, entertainment over activism, and natural organic inclusion, not forced diversity. Please follow that QR code or refer to the description below for the link to the charity we support, which is the Wounded Warrior Project. Thursdays and Saturdays, you can watch the Dirty Casuals on twitch.tv slash Legion of Myth. Fridays and Sundays, you can watch the Friday Night Chill Stream and RPG Digest on our YouTube and Rumble channels. Please leave us a comment with your thoughts and experiences, and if you like our gaming content, please be sure to subscribe to Legion of Myth. Alright, here we go. Oh, I got that circuit. Here we go with our wonderful Forbidden Lands cover again. I do like that cover, by the way. I'm not saying it's the greatest cover ever, but I do like the cover. I, I... Now, uh, what was it? 108? 108. So now we're going to start talking about uh, damage. Uh, damage is a generic term in Forbidden Lands. Actually, I want to put this uh, up comment here that I actually want to put on the screen. So Brian James says, I bought Forbidden Lands but not yet opened the box. I'm waiting to find the right group to play it with. Now, I don't talk about it because I don't believe in it, but there are solo play rules, if I remember correctly for this. Not in the book, but there are solo play rules that you can find for Forbidden Lands. Uh, I don't like solo play. I just, you know, I, I, let's leave it there. I don't. Um, but what I've done with it is I've just, I've play tested it a bunch of times. I know it might sound weird because I've only ever run one shots of Forbidden Lands because I don't have a static group and I've moved and when I've done it, I've been in different parts of the world, but I've run it a few times as one shots and that helped me learn how to play it. So I, I've done that and I've used the module. Well, I've done a couple of things, but the thing I've done the most is the module that I wrote for this game is I've done one shots uh, for that. And it will also help 
get some of the combat nuances down. All right. Um, Final Souls Everything says, I knew there was a reason to trust you. What did I do? What did I do? I don't know what I did. What did I say? Yes, the damage can be emotional. We'll get to that in a moment. It absolutely can be emotional. Uh, so Elsa, says, anyone with new YouTube spinning circles, it's new broken ads, breaking streams. Ads will be in all streams from now on, so refresh me the stream work again when it does it. I turned off monetization, so there shouldn't be ads. There shouldn't be ads during the stream because I literally turned off monetization. I don't do monetization anymore. Only way I get money now for streams is by you guys super chatting because I don't want ads in the middle of my streams. So just saying. Um, but uh, Okay. Uh, life as a roaming adventurer is hard and risky. The rewards may be great, but the only thing you know for sure is that you will suffer all sorts of damage along the way. That is true. Oh, God. God. I, I hear you violence tells everything. Yeah, I, I don't. You know, again, other people might. Some people swear by it. I, I don't see it as role playing. So that's just, again, maybe I'm too old for that. But uh, damage can come in many form and reduces one of your four attribute scores. Damage to strength. Oh. And we have a super chat. Thank you very much. Super chats. Two Australian dollars for silence. It's because he couldn't scream loud enough from Australia to America. He's trying. It just doesn't work. <laughs> Thank you very much. I do appreciate that. Okay, I, I'm going to look into this because that better not be true. That better not be true that it's putting ads on all streams even when you turn monetization off. Because we were told as content creators, this, the ads would only come. Now, we couldn't control them, but the ads would only come if monetization was turned on. So uh, I'll have to look into that. But uh, anyway, let's get back to the game. Uh, so damage to strength. These are your bleeding wounds, broken bones, and pain. This is the default type of damage. So if you're not sure where to put it, you damage your strength. Yes, again, I, wanna, I have to say this. You are going to... There is a death spiral. And how that works is this. Let me put my dice out here. Let's arbitrarily say you have four attribute dice, okay? So I have four attribute dice. They're called base dice, I'm sorry. I call them attribute dice, but they're actually called base dice. You have four base dice. All right, let's do that. All right. If, these, if I am rolling strength, right, and I have four strength, and you do two damage to me, damage to strength, uh, isn't that called injury or wounds? I thought there's a particular term for it, but I forget. But you do two damage to my strength. I lose two dice, and that means I'm done. Let's use a different number so it's easier to see. If you do one damage to me, I go from four dice to three dice. Yes, that makes it harder for things to hit. That makes it harder for... That, that means... That makes that damage mean something. You don't want it. But it's going to be part of the game. And yes, you can still succeed even rolling less dice. Don't throw a temper tantrum like the guy that I keep talking about did, all right? So it's damage is not specified as strength. But you can also damage agility. How does that work? Well, that's physical fatigue and exhaustion. Some spells do that. There are, other, there are actually some talents that can allow you to attack agility over, over strength. Oh, it's that. Okay. Uh, wits. This is your fear, your panic, your confusion. This affects your ability to think. This is your intelligence that's being affected, all right? It's your fear, your panic, your confusion. And then there's damage to empathy. This is despair, mistrust, and sorrow. 
Now, what, what happened? Uh, suffering damage. Here you go. You can suffer damage when you push a roll. We've talked about that a bunch of times. If I roll a one on an attack roll, it doesn't matter. That one does not matter. But if I decide to push the roll, ones from base dice and gear dice, not skill dice, from base dice and skill dice, those ones, those skulls come back to haunt you. And you take damage based on whatever attribute you're using. So if I was shooting a bow, which is agility and marksmanship, and I miss, but I really have to hit. I don't want that miss. I'm going to push my roll, and I get a white skull. My agility drops by one point until we, we'll, we'll talk about recovery later. You can also be smacked by a sword or shot with an arrow. Wow. That will damage your strength. Magic can also do it, right? Now, armor. How does armor help you? By wearing leather, chainmail, or a full suit of plate armor, you can protect your body from damage to strength. Now, remember, yes, to strength. This isn't going to protect you from manipulation damage. This isn't going to protect you if somebody's taunting you or telling you mama jokes. This isn't going to protect you from that. This is only going to protect you from strength damage. Okay. Uh, the effect of armor is determined by its armor rating. When you suffer damage from physical attacks, you roll a number of gear dice equal to the armor rating. So, if you have an armor rating of six, you roll gear... Okay, I don't have six. I only have three right here. The rest are put away. So I have three gear dice right here. Black are gear dice. What? Don't fall, don't fall, don't fall. White are base dice. And red are skill dice. Well, we're rolling gear dice. So let's say I'm wearing some light armor. It only has an armor value of three. And you get a successful hit on me. You have one, you have one success, okay? So I'm going to roll these dice, these three gear dice. And I get, oh, I got one six. I got a four, five, and a six. So that six right there stops one of your successes well since you only had one success i suffer no damage now let's say you had two successes okay uh and i got no skulls so i don't lose any armor rating if so if you got two successes and you're using a dagger we're gonna make it easy right now if you got two successes using a dagger that would normally be one damage plus one more damage well i would remove one damage and just take one well let's say you're using a battle axe what was the battle axe's damage or the the two-handed axe that was three three damage and you had two success no let's go with the scenario we did before where it was uh five points of damage because you got three successes well my armor protected from one so i take four points of damage i would need five successes on three dice good luck uh, to prevent all that damage so that that's how that works now there's armor with more than uh three dice so we'll look at that in a moment and if uh, any damage penetrates your armor it's armor rating decreases every skull you roll reduces the armor rating by one so this is a two-parter by the way it has to do damage to you so it penetrates the armor and then you count the skulls you can literally deflect the armor if you just roll skulls Let's say if I had rolled a one, one, and a six, and you only did one point of damage, well, that six would prevent the damage, and those two skulls wouldn't matter. But if I had rolled a one, one, and a six, and you'd done two or more points of damage, well, I would stop one point of damage from the with the with the six, right? But one more point of damage would have got through, and I rolled two skulls, so that means my armor would have taken two points of damage. Okay. Natural armor is not degraded in this way. And you can look at typical cover, because cover has armor rating. 
So if you're behind a stone wall, you get to add eight, and that's on top of your armor, by the way. You get to add eight dice. Alright. Uh, the shield. Shields provide an armor. So if, you have, if you're using a, a large shield, is it, uh, does it have armor up here? Not yet. I think armor is below. Yeah. So if I'm wearing chainmail, which is an armor rating of six, alright? And I'm using a shield, which adds plus two to it, I have an armor rating of eight. And I'd roll eight dice. And if I wear a great helm on top of that, <laughs> for whatever reason, and then I'd add four more to it because they add together. But then again, my scout rolls are minus two. But, you know, take off your helmet to, uh, to do some scouting. And it gives an example of the armor here. And for the people who are historical Puritans, there's no studded leather, there's no, there's no chain mail, it's just called mail, whatever, who cares, it's a game. Broken. When any attribute reaches zero, your character is broken. This means you are put out of action one way or the other. If it's your strength, you're knocked senseless. Roll for a critical injury. We'll get to that later. If it's agility, you collapse from exhaustion. You just can't move anymore. If it's your wits, you're paralyzed by fear or confusion. Roll for critical injury. Palladium people are going to love this because you have a horror table. Basically, it's an insanity table. Now, you don't do this if you broke yourself through pushing a roll, okay? I think strength is the same way. Strength did, uh... Oh, it doesn't actually say that there. Never mind. Um, I thought strength did the same thing, but I guess it was wrong. But anyway, and empathy, you break down in despair or self-pity. Okay, so this one doesn't have... Oh, yeah, it does. You must either explode in violent outbursts, kicking and breaking everything around you, or withdraw from everyone around you. Basically, silent treatment. In either case, you're uncommunicative until you've recovered a point of empathy. This is why you want to have the um, minstrel. That's what it's called, the minstrel. Coup de gras. This is a rule that Heathen Dog and I disagree on. I actually like this rule. Because I think it adds a little humanity to the game and doesn't turn everybody into murder hobos. Okay. An opponent who has lost all strength or agility is defenseless. If it's an intelligent being with wits and you want to give him a coup de gras and kill him outright, you must fail an empathy roll. Roll for just the attribute only. Even if the roll fails, you must spend one willpower point and suffer one point of damage to empathy. Killing in cold blood is not as easy as you might think. There is a talent that gets rid of this. And yes, I do see a lot of people take... Oh, there it is, right? Cold-blooded. I do see a lot of people take it or want to take it when they talk about it. Uh, I, I Honestly, I like the rule. I do. I, I think that this is a good rule to have in the game. Now, the fastest way to recover from being broken is for someone else to treat you. Basically, somebody do some medicing on you. A healing, you need somebody to roll healing if it's strength or agility, and performance if it's wits and empathy. You know? You, you, that comedy routine brings you back down, or or that the singing, the the great lute music of, <laughs> of whatever your your minstrel's name is, uh, but cannot. This is slow action, but cannot be performed with an enemy at arm's length. So if there's an enemy fighting you, you're not going. Here comes brave Sir Robin. Sir Robin, brave is he? No, you are running away for your own life or trying to beat him with your lyre. 
Further rolls have no effect, and the same person can only try once. If no one helps you within D6 hours, you recover anyway. That's right. You can roll a D6, and you'll recover anyway to get a point back. But if you're breaking stuff constantly for a D6 hours, your friends are not going to like you. Critical injuries. If your strength is broken, you might die unless treated in time. We'll, uh, we'll look at the critical injury chart below. Once back on your feet, you will recover all remaining lost attribute points by resting or sleeping for a quarter day. Yes, sleeping overnight heals you completely. That's not realistic. Remember, these, you know, being knocked out, a boxer can still walk the next day. All right? A wrestler you know, well, unless he loses, you know, breaks his knees or something, but that'd be a critical injury, can still move around and go to the bar, you know, a after the wrestling match. Being broken just means you're knocked senseless or you're out of energy. Game over, man, game over. It's time to sit down and take a break. Critical injuries are the ones that are the lingering effects. So yes, you can recover your generic broken attributes by sleeping. Okay. Uh, and you sleep for a quarter. This ga day, uh, game uses quarter days. I don't know if we talked about that in the first episode, but if not, we will definitely be talking about that when we get to the journeying uh, episode in two weeks. So, uh, all right. Assumes you're not hungry, thirsty, or suffering from another condition that blocks. Yes, conditions block recovery, and we'll talk about conditions in a bit. So being broken is always bad. But having your strength or wits broken is especially dangerous. Remember, strength or wits. So this is essentially your, your, your constitution and your intelligence. It can trigger long-term effects and even cost you your life. Critical damage table is found at the back of this book. Oh, it's at the back of the book? Roll a D66 on the relevant table. Uh, well, let's... Okay, this is page 112 up there. Let's, let's go to the back of the book. Let's roll a couple of D66s. Oh, 212. Let's do 210 and just see what's going on. All right, peace. This is the appendix. Let's go to that's a character sheet. Okay, here we go. All right, let's go to the beginning of these. And uh, that's okay, here we go. Down here. Tools, animals. Oh, you're a critical injury. Slashing wounds. All right, I'm just going to roll. And I'm going to call red high. So I'm rolling a red die and a white die just because I can. I'm going to call red high. And let's see what we get. I get a 64. That's going to be bad. <laughs> 64. Slit throat. Okay, well, so what does this mean? Lethal, time limit, effects during healing. Okay. And we'll explain those in a little bit. So what page is this? 200. Slit throat, you can die. I don't know what that minus one is. We'll have to look at that in a moment. You will die within a D6 round. And your lingering effects are minus two to endurance. Well, endurance is a skill, not uh, an attribute. And healing time is a D6. I think that's days. So let's see. Let's see what happens because we're going to come back to this page 212. I already forgot what page I was on a moment ago. So we'll just do 112. Oh, that's 112. So uh, each critical injury has a specific effect uh, that you suffer during the healing time indicated. Care. If someone manages to heal you during the process of healing critical injury, uh, the remaining healing time is reduced by half. Any hurt uh, any earlier roll to save your life does not count towards this. A new roll is required to pre reduce the healing time. Attribute points. Note that you can recover all your lost attribute points, but still suffer the effects of a critical injury. Uh, these are conditions I want to get to in a moment. Uh, I thought... 
Okay, it's not there. So let's go back to our 212. So what's wrong about 212? All right, scroll back up through all this. Was it 202? I should have looked at the page. Uh, there we go, 64. That was broken neck, slit throat. So what's that minus one? I'm wondering if that minus one is minus one to the, I think it's minus one to the healing check. That's what I believe it to be. But I'm not seeing that here. I'll have to look it up in the rules. I'm pretty sure that it, uh, the minus one is a minus one to the healing check. So that means it's really hard or it's harder to heal this. You have to be healed within D6. By the way, this is a timer die, and I don't tell the players about this. So I roll the die, and I'm like, okay, he's bleeding out. It's sort of slow. He's bleeding out. What's he going to do? And I rolled a three here. So he's got three rounds to be healed. And then normal healing time is a D6 days, but the healing time will be in half if this succeeds. Right. Uh, decapitation, your head leaves your body, make a new character. Cleft skull, you die immediately. So 65 and 66, you're done. Severed arm, you're bleeding out. Severed leg, your femoral's cut, you're bleeding out. You see, these are bad for you. All these ones at 43 or, or, or higher are lethal. Punctured lungs, severed foot, bleeding gut, ruptured intestines, yum yum. Oh. Yeah, severed arm, you cannot use. It's a permanent. It's a permanent condition. You can't use two-handed weapons. And there's no combat wheelchair. Oh, ha ha. So, it's 200. Let's go back to 112 and go back. But you get the idea. Oh, I wanted to look at a mental one. Sorry. Critical injury, stab wounds, others. Horror. All right. Let's just look at 64 again. Let's keep that number. Catatonic. You stare blankly into oblivion and do not respond to any stimuli. And you'll be doing that for a D6 days. 66. Your heart stops and you die of pure fright. Wow. You have to roll 60. Now... That's like rolling, you know, 100 on percentile dice. I know the, av the, the percentage is a little lower than that, but it's, you have to get a 66 for that to happen. Altered personality. Your personality is altered in a fundamental way. Determine how, together with the GM, the effects should be role-played. See, it doesn't tell you you must do something. It just says alter your personality. You could go from being a horrible person to being a nice guy. You go from being a nice guy to being a horrible person. You now all of a sudden could find God. Maybe you now disavow God. Maybe you decide that... Uh, uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> just take the time to come up with something interesting. You know, it's, it's extreme math right now. I can't. Back to uh, critical injury. So, critical injury is lethal. Someone must make a successful healing roll uh, to save you. Otherwise, you die when the time indicated is passed. If you recover attribute points above before you die, you can attempt to heal yourself, but the roll gets a minus two penalty. So, if you are no longer broken, and somehow didn't bleed out, you can try to heal yourself. Instant death. But there are a small number of critical injuries that kill you outright. If you roll either of these, you draw your last breath in the Forbidden Lands. Time to make a new character. Each critical injury has a specific effect that you suffer during the healing time indicated, measured in days. If someone manages to heal you during the process of healing critical injury, the, uh, the remaining healing time is reduced by half. Any earlier rolls save your life. I'm pretty sure that minus one was a reduction to the, uh, to the healing roll. So, all right. Non-typical damage uh, conditions. We'll talk about conditions in a moment. 
push damage. There's one case where you don't risk critical injury when broken, so when you push your roll so hard that you break yourself. I know that the strength didn't save. I thought I thought that strength couldn't do critical damage, and there you go. It should have set it up above as well, like it did for the wits, but it didn't. If you solo play, don't consult the GM. Just ask what, yourself what Jesus would do. Okay, there you go. Um, conditions in the game. There's there are four so-called conditions, and you can apply everything to these four. I know Pathfinder has like thirty or some crap. I get it, but in this game, you can apply everything to one of these four conditions. In fact, you pretty much have to apply them to these four conditions. There's hungry, thirsty, sleepy, and cold. These conditions can cause damage. Yes, by the way, there is illness. There's poison and illness as well, but uh, they. We'll show you how they work. Hungry. You must eat a ration of food at least once every day. This will lead in two weeks when we talk about survival and the journeying. We'll talk about how to get the food. But after a day without food, you become hungry. So if you're hungry, you cannot recover strength in any way. This means that if you are broken by strength, you are not recovering. You can recover other attributes because other attributes are, are um, well, I think it's, if I remember correctly, it's water for agility for example. So you suffer one point of damage to strength per week. Remember, you can survive a little bit without food, but you're going to get weaker and weaker as time goes on. If your strength is broken while hungry, you die after another week without food. I don't know why I keep highlighting that. I got to stop doing that. Sorry about that. Um, so if you are broken, if they're hauling you in the cart because you're broken, you've been knocked the F out. If you don't eat, you will die after another week without food. As soon as you've eaten, you are no longer hungry and you can recover strength normally. All right, thirsty. You must drink a ration of water at least once per day. After a day without water, you become thirsty. Being thirsty has several effects. You'll notice that they're very similar to hungry. You cannot recover attributes except through magic. That's any attribute, by the way. That's any attribute except through magic. If you are broken, you need to drink water to get back up again. You suffer one point of damage to both strength and agility every day. If either your strength or agility are broken while thirsty, you die after another day without water. As soon as you drink, you're no longer thirsty. Sleepy. You need to sleep for at least a quarter day. After one day without sleep, you become sleepy. Cannot recover wits except through magic. If your wits are broken while sleepy, you must sleep for one quarter day to get it back again. If you suffer one point of damage to your wits each day, I'm sorry, you suffer one point of damage to your wits each day. If this damage breaks your wits, you collapse and sleep for at least one quarter day. So this is, if you're really trying, I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it, I'm going to, I'm going uh, I'm, I'm to keep on going. They're not going to get me. Well, guess what? Um, sooner or later, you're going to collapse. As soon as you've slept for at least a quarter day, you're no longer sleepy. And then there's cold. Oh, when the cold is bitter and you don't have enough shelter, you have to roll endurance regularly. The colder it is, the more frequently you need to roll. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, where's the where's suffering? Okay, you immediately take one point of damage to both your strength and your wits. So, your strength and intelligence get in, uh, take damage. As the cold seeps in your body, it makes your blood run slower. Uh, you can even hallucinate, causing you to act irrationally. You must keep rolling endurance at the same interval with the same effect if you fail. And it depends on what the level is. It could be an hour, it could be a minute, it could be a week. Well, I don't think it could be a week. I think it's daily, hourly, and weekly, if I remember correctly. You cannot recover strength or wits until you've warmed up again. And then there's fear. Fear attack is rolled with a number of base die. Each success rolled causes one point of damage to your wits. That's right. A fear spell attacks your wits. 
All fear attacks have near range unless otherwise stated. Darkness. When you're in complete darkness, or lack of light, and you lack night vision, you have no choice but to feel your way, feel your way forward. To run in complete darkness requires a successful move roll, otherwise you're going to smack your face into the wall, or a tree, or somebody's leg that's sticking out. You can attack opponents at arm's length normally in darkness, but you first must scout to successfully be able to target the person. <clears throat> so you can see them close to you in pitch black, you know, because there's a little highlight, a little, maybe a little glint off the sword, but you have to scout first. But you can scout and attack directly in the same round. If you don't scout, you're missing that glint. Or maybe you heard something over here, but you thought he was over there, and now you're confused as to where he is. You can't make the attack, okay? You cannot shoot targets, yada, yada. Um, poison. Poisons are measured by potency. A weak poison has a potency of three, a strong poison is six, an extremely potent poison, nine. Good luck. If you ingest poison some matter, roll an opposed roll against the GM. So I roll as the game master the number of dice. It says base dice equal to the potency of, of the poison. So let's say it's a potency six poison because I have six dice here. And then you would roll your endurance, which is a skill. So that'd be strength plus endurance. So I got no successes and two ones. Isn't that awesome? This poison sucked. So chances are uh, you're going to succeed in that one. Now, with that said, if you win the roll, you only suffer the limited effect. If the poison is a limited effect, that still happens, but the full effect doesn't. So lethal. Po paralyzing. I'm only going to look at one of these. We're going to get to this. Paralyzing, sleeping, and hallucinogenic. So we're going to look at the hallucinogenic. The full effect is you take one point of damage to empathy each round until you are broken. That's it. If you drink an antidote in time, the effect of the poison is halted. But you have to drink the antidote. That is it. You are not, you're not saved. You will take one point each round to your empathy. So if you've got uh, you know, average empathy, we'll say three, you're going to be down in three rounds. Or, or you're going to be breaking crap or sitting in, uh, uh, in self-pity uh, you know, in three rounds. Now, if you make your roll, you'll still take the limited effect, which is you'll take one point of damage to empathy, but that's it. Just one point. No more than that. Just one. Now, that could still break you, but it's just one. So you get the idea. You can put poison on weapons. You can get diseases. Uh, diseases are similar to poisons, but they have a, vir a virulence rating instead. And you'd make a sickness roll, but it's the same concept. If you're cared for by somebody during your sickness, this person can roll your sickness rolls instead of you. That's right. Instead of you naturally trying to heal, you can have the doctor try to heal you, and that person makes the roll. The healer rolls for healing against the virulence of the disease. Healing potions can give a bonus to that roll. Notice that healing potions don't automatically heal you. They give you a bonus. The nature's cure spell is also very effective against diseases. Riding animals, you can use animals in combat. We are not going to go into that. Uh, you do need certain, uh, like if you want to shoot a bow on an animal, you do need certain talents. Uh, and that, oh, that is it. Next week is magic. Well, maybe, uh, I guess I could cover animals. Let's cover animals. It's the last thing we need to do. I thought we had one more, but nope. Uh, so movement. Riding animals allows you to move faster across the battlefield than if you are on foot. Duh. Every animal has a movement rate. This determines how many segments, remember, segments are like, you know, the zone sizes 
uh, a, a near zone is the equivalent of a segment. So four near zones becomes a long, long range, right? But those, that would be four segments. Humanoids have a movement rate of one, and most riding animals have a movement rate of two. So you could ride two segments. Okay. If I confused you by saying that, when you draw it out or when you see it on you know, the adventure site during the game, it'll make sense to you. Okay. To be able to use its full movement rate, any zone the animal moves through must have the open feature. In other cases, the animal movement rate is one, same as a human. Uh, we'll talk more about that when we get into the journeying phase, about how far you can move, how many hexes you can move. Okay. Uh, when you are mounted and are about to perform an action that usually requires you to roll move, such as moving to a rough zone, roll for the animal handling instead. Basically, you're coaxing your animal through. Pushing such a roll will not give you willpower points. Hey, guess what? You don't have to worry. Well, I mean, the good news is... Uh, <laughs> actually, the bad news is you take damage. But you, you don't get willpower because your animal is doing it. That's why. Uh, crafting gamer that is one here let me put that on the screen that's one remember the, i like the players to describe what they're doing but sure i mean that that could be something you could be rocking in the fetal position is something you absolutely could be doing but you could also go crazy you could see stuff around you you want to kill all the bugs all the bugs are there i hate you and you know you you see you see the person next to you as a bug. I don't know. He's a big walking dragonfly now. It's a hallucinogenic poison. It's making you act crazy. But that is an option. What I would say, though, and I'm saying this, I am being pedantic because I have nothing wrong with what you said there, but let the player come up with the idea first unless it's really dumb. Like, oh, yeah, I see clouds. Nah, man, come on. Come up with something cool. You know. Yeah, I, I get it. Autocorrect, autocorrect was getting me last week, too. So, uh, Close combat. You can fight from a mount, but only with one-handed weapons. You have to, you know, kind of have to control the animal with the other one. Opponents attacking, you must decide if they attack you or the mount. Attacks against a mounted rider suffer a minus one penalty. This is why cavalry is a little tougher. I mean, I wouldn't take them square on into a fight. You know, you want to charge from the side. But, you know, cavalry being on a mounted, being on a mount is beneficial for you. I'd just attack your horse, man. All right, archery to shoot a bow from a mount requires the horseback fighter talent. Yes, you can be a uh, a steps. Uh, was it a Mongolian? A steps Mongolian horse? Uh, what were they? What were they? Uh, not not cataphract. That's Russian. Um, I can't think of the name. But uh, you but you have to have this talent because it's not normally easy to hold the horse with your legs and then you know aim the bow. You know, it takes training to do that, so you have to have the talent. Uh, damage your animal can suffer damage just like you the attacks uh, through attacks or by pushing rolls when you're using the animal's attribute score remember if the animal's doing the work the animal takes the push and there we go all right next week it's gonna be all about magic uh, i don't know how many videos it's gonna be if it's gonna be one or two but next week it's gonna be all about magic we're gonna talk about how you get willpower points we're gonna talk about how you cast spells how you learn it all that fun stuff and why this guy looks crazy as could be you know, throwing out little magical pebbles, it looks like. So we will talk about that next week. And uh, are cataphracts Roman? I thought they were, okay, I thought they were Russian or Slavic, but uh, you might be right. I don't know. Uh, and I think every other comment was addressed while it was going on. So there we go. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, please like, subscribe, share, leave a comment on this video. 
tell us what you think about this. I I covered a lot. I basically read the book without describing too many things. I understand that if you really need a how-to video on how to do combat, you know, I'm looking for how-to video suggestions for um for 2024. It ha it would happen in 2024, but we also I do have the Coriolis combat video, which is similar to this, but different enough where it would, wouldn't be exact. But uh, I can do something like that. But until then, next week, Heathen Dog should be back to talk about Wormwood for Rifts. And I'm going to be covering magic for Forbidden Land. So we'll continue on with the series. And I hope to see you then. Right. So while I have a few minutes with you guys here, uh, what are your thoughts on this? What do you guys think about uh, how I covered that? It's mostly reading, but... Questions, comments, concerns. There isn't going to be a segment three. I'm not going to go through YouTube comments today. Uh, most of them were for Heathen Dog anyway, and the ones that uh, I would look at made me angry. So <laughs> I don't want to be angry on RPG Digest. We save that for Friday. So uh, Okushiko says that was nicely done. Appreciate that. Uh, I do. You know, I I don't know why. I mean, we, some of the folks on our Discord. Well, I'm getting more comments elsewhere, but uh, on Discord are really poo pooing like. Argh! It's great setting, but it's a stupid game. I've even received a few YouTube comments like, you know, I'm glad I'm glad you're covering games you like, but this game's really dumb. Like, why? Why? I mean, why do you feel the need to <laughs> write that? I mean, what's so dumb about the game? If you don't like rules like games, okay, that's fine. You know, you know, it goes back to the whole thing. Like, some people don't like uh, don't like dice pools. Okay, you don't like dice pools. That doesn't mean it's a bad game. You just don't like dice pools. I like dice pools. Do I think it's a perfect game system? No. But it does a lot of things that I like. Do I think it's the best game system ever? Nope. But it is one I really do enjoy. And I think it fits the intent of how the game's meant to, meant to run. So. But, uh, yeah, uh, you know, it's just like when I put it just for you folks out there, a reminder for you folks out there, and then I'm probably going to close out the stream. Uh, I do have, you'll have to scroll down for it, but I do have on both Twitter and in the community tab, for youtube i do have what's wrong with palladium books if your answer was i don't like how it's laid out or i find it confusing or i don't like the mechanics i can't work with that you have to give me something specific what specifically is wrong broken i mean again if you just don't like something that's fine i get it some people want linear dice some people want uh bell curves i'm definitely a bell curve person some people want to you know, just want just want quick man. I just want to roll one die, be done with it. Other people like I want this, I want this, and then I want to be able to add it with this on it. You know, I get it. Uh, Bruce, Bruce earned a bunch of respect from me because you know he likes Pathfinder, and I I think Pathfinder is one of the worst. Pathfinder and D and D three I think is one of the worst role playing game systems ever developed. It's a great computer game system, but it's a horrible role playing game system. It's garbage. It's just, just hot garbage. And I, you know, you know, Bruce isn't a big fan of uh, of Shadowrun, which we are, and and he's definitely not a fan of Palladium either, which we are. But he said something a few weeks ago to me that I'm saying, say this from now on, Bruce. This is the answer, and I get it. Bruce is looking for a skirmish game. You know what? Pathfinder is a great skirmish game. Might not be as good as Warhammer or Battletech because those are dedicated to skirmish, but he wants a role play. He wants a skirmish role playing game, and Pathfinder and D and D three are great at that. That's the last thing I want. I want a role playing game, not a skirmish game. 
But by knowing that, okay, Pathfinder is great for you. And if somebody says, I love Pathfinder because I like skirmish games, then I say, okay, well, I like role-playing games. So <laughs> I don't want a skirmish game. Uh, so, but, but that made so much more sense with that. Um, <clears throat> Mutant Elysium, you didn't, uh, okay, you guys, well, well, so I'm not looking for, you know, reasons why people don't like Mutant Elysium, but you're welcome to make that comment. I wasn't a big fan of Mutant Elysium either. <laughs> you know, I, I like Mutant, I like the Mutant side of it, you know, that for me, I didn't want the, the humans and I don't want to deal with contacts. Especially when you get out into the real the real world and you have to deal with those contacts. But Heathen Dog, on the other hand, Munalesium is like the only one he'd even consider. Oh. We should try Warhammer Fantasy. I think he's played it. I think he's talked about playing it. I, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, Gravedigger, man, I'd play Gravedigger. I love the Gravedigger. But uh, yeah, and not every game we cover is for everybody. That's cool. And I talked about that at the beginning of the stream. I'm not going to rehash that. But but specifically the the point of the Palladium, because I really do. I want to have a Friday stream. I want to do it on the Veterans Day stream, and if I can swing it, I'd love Sean to come in and talk about it as well. You know, kind of off the record. Yeah, it'd be talking to Sean, but it'd be off the record. I know they're crazy busy, and I'm I'm not expecting this. I haven't even asked him yet, but I'd love it if Sean could come in. I'd love it if Kevin could come in too. But uh, come on, like, <laughs> yeah, that that's probably asking too much to come in and just talk about it. You know, what makes, when people have the complaint, this is why I want those questions answered. I want the specific questions of what you don't like. Oh, here's one. I don't like MDC. That's not, I'm sorry, but that's not a thing. I mean, MDC is a thing, but it doesn't tell me. What is it specifically about MDC you don't like? Well, how does it ruin the game? I mean, Twilight 2000, the, the, the Year Zero engine version has something similar to that. Star Wars D6 had something similar to that. Does it work the same way? No, but it had something in the game where, my little pea shooter can't hurt a starship. My nine millimeter isn't going to break through a tank. So what is it you don't like about MDC? There's too much of it. That's on you as the game master. Take it out. You know, I don't, I mean, that's not a, that's not a system mechanic problem. So that, that's what I'm saying. So go ahead and make those comments. If you've made a comment already on either the YouTube community post or that Twitter, uh, um, uh, that tweet uh please if you don't think you've clarified please clarify i really do because i want to answer those things and i want sean to defend it or say you know that's something we're looking at hey you know maybe you just don't like this type of game um but with that uh so i uh i like oops i like different games for different things and different fields and settings i like for, that's cool yeah yep I i'm with you And this may be true, but uh, how popular is that? I mean, Pathfinder and D&D 3 are popular, unfortunately, right? But yeah. I mean, it's just like uh, somebody was saying, well, I don't need Axe, I have Birthright. Okay. And when I say Axe, Adventure, Conquer, King system. I mean, I can argue with you. <laughs> like, uh, I tried to play Birthright one time. We didn't like it. I liked it conceptually. I would really like to have tried it with people who are more interested. And I was trying it with people who were just were not interested at all. And I was kind of forcing them to play it. So, yeah. But, uh, all right, guys. Uh, thank you for being here. We're going to keep the stream a little shorter today because there was no Heathen Dog segment. He should be back next week. We hope he's back next week after, you know, uh, not feeling so. For those of you who saw the members only stream, and uh, we'll say the incident that happened on the members only stream well understand that uh it, 
Heathen Dog wasn't feeling well, and I didn't know that. Okay, so uh, everything's good now, and uh, hopefully he's back next week. You know, his kid goes to school, and as we all know, kids in schools equals petri dish. You know, they're just a biohaz- little little running, you know, biohazards running around. So, <laughs> uh, so my answer to this would be one of the things I love about Palladium is everything's on the character sheet. You know, uh, if it's on the character sheet, you're good. Uh, and leveling up, you know, might change some of the stuff that's on there. But that's why it takes two hours to make a character because everything's on the character sheet. So uh, now maybe that's not the answer you're looking for. Maybe that's the wrong answer. But I'm just saying that's how I see this. Uh, I have zero issues with MDC other than it's Mega and Mega should be 1000, but that's pedantry. So, <laughs> so that, that doesn't matter. Um, but I like MDC conceptually. My Really, my only problem with MDC is there is too much of it. And when the people complain about that, there's too much of it. But I don't see that as a system issue, a mechanics issue. I see that as a setting issue. That's something that I can control. And in my Palladium games, I really tone down the MDC. Only certain things have MDC. And the things that do have it are a little bit more rare. But I also don't run riffs. So... Uh, Large MDC gets reduced, but I don't think it's spelled out specific. Okay. I mean, th- there might be, again, if you've got something, a specific rule or a specific concept, I absolutely, I'd love to address it because I want to see what's broken, what can be done better, and what people just have misconceptions about because the books aren't, 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 aren't edited the best, you know? So. All right, Brian James, you have a great Sunday as well. I'm going to end this here. I want to thank each and every one of you for being here. Go check out Bear's 12-hour chill stream. Tell him I sent you. Bombard him with Legion of Myth, Legion of Myth, Legion of Myth, Legion of Myth. That's right. Spam him. No, don't spam him. <laughs> but, go, but go check out Bear, the Gen X GM's uh, 12-hour chill stream that he's got going on right now. And I hope to see you guys on Friday when uh, Mildred and his co-hosts are on. We're going to talk to him. And we'll probably have a couple other panelists. And we're going to talk about... Game mastering, game mastering styles, things that have happened in games, types of games that we play, because he covers a lot of weird games. I mean, what I would consider weird games, but uh, he covers them. And uh, next Sunday, Forbidden Lands Magic and Rifts Wormwood. I will see you then. Have a great weekend.